Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Four Center Podcast Feed, and this particular episode of the Four Center Podcast Feed is the Mandalorian Report, and I, for one, and I'm sure I am not alone, am thrilled to be reporting on Chapter 13, The Jedi. I am Joseph Scrimshaw. I am Ken Napsack, happy to get off on this floor on an elevator that doesn't believe in bad luck. It's the Mando Chapter 13, the 21st episode overall in our series, because we covered the gallery as well, but. Uh, yes, happy to be here. Yeah, and another gallery coming, so we'll just be covering everything. Always. <laughs> the cover. 
covering. <laughs> constant covering. This is a super exciting uh, episode to talk about. I think in a lot of ways, this is one that uh, people have been waiting for for a long time. The just even the possibility of it. So I think let's just dive in. This is chapter thirteen again, called "The Jedi" for reasons that we will discuss. It is written and directed by Dave Filoni, and it is about forty-four-ish minutes of quality time with the Mandalorian, the child who now has a name, and of course. Ahsoka Tano. So, uh, Ken, we're going to talk about all of our normal stuff, but it, it is such a huge part of this episode to see Ahsoka Tano in live action. So I think we should just start there with the big picture question. Did Ahsoka work for you? <laughs> this is going to be the hottest take I've had all year. Yes. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> Goodbye. Yeah, yeah. She worked for me too, and and we can get into uh, the details here. Uh, I want to throw out a couple of uh, patented uh, Force Center caveats. Uh, really loved live action Ahsoka. Um, I do think just because this is her first live action appearance that it is important to put some respect on the name of Ashley Eckstein. Ashley Eckstein not only voiced Ahsoka Tano, of course, in all of her appearances, but Ashley Eckstein herself has been such an ambassador of fandom in general with the Her Universe clothing line, such an ambassador of uh, women in the Star Wars fandom. And, you know, this has always been the way, right, that we have had, especially if it's the movies, We've had like, you know, Mark Hamill is always going to be Luke Skywalker Prime. Ian McDermott is always going to be Emperor Palpatine Prime. But then other people go on to voice them or play them or, or you know, different uh, iterations back and forth between live action and animated. Uh, but this is kind of a different case for me because uh, Ahsoka has always been Ashley Eckstein. And Ashley Eckstein has really stepped up to the plate to to uh, be an ambassador of the character and of Star Wars. So while um, I loved Rosario Dawson, I also just thought that we should uh, take just a moment to pay some respect to Ashley Eckstein. Absolutely, a, a raise of the the glass in the cantina here. Uh, you said it. Uh, you said it perfectly. I mean, beyond just what she did for the role and crafting that role, uh, voice acting is acting. Uh, it is a, a very very uh, a high level skill and she obviously did a great job but what you said about the the ambassador showing up at conventions being the face of not just the character but a, a certain um era of fandom too for for those who who came into star wars for the clone wars uh like you said with the women in star wars the her universe line and she means so much to so many people so without a doubt people can have strong opinions about uh this finally happening so good live action the rumors were one thing uh uh, even Ashley tweeting out a long time ago, like, I'm not, I, I don't know what's going on. I don't have anything to do with this. And thank you for your support. That, you know, now we're here. We're actually here. And I know it's going to inspire different opinions on, on the character and, and history. And I think you're right to tip our cap to Ashley. Yeah, tip the cap and a raise of the glass in whatever other honorifics we can think to, to physically do. Um, uh, ignite our lightsabers. Um, and then also, I uh, just wanted to say very quickly, because this has come up before, uh, there was has been some controversy around Rosario Dawson herself. Uh, there was a court case where she was alleged uh, to do some uh, verbal and physical harassment of someone. Uh, complex issue. Uh, those charges uh, were uh, dropped, uh, dismissed by the uh, person who made the charges. Uh, if you want to read a little bit more about it, uh, it's all in a great uh, piece by Anthony Bresnikan, great Star Wars uh, reporter. But I know I've brought those things up before and said, you know, I'm concerned about this. I'm concerned about how fans are going to feel about it. But I think that people should uh, just go ahead and read that article by Anthony Bresnikan, do whatever other independent research they can and have their opinion 
I wanted to acknowledge it because I've brought it up before, but uh, that's all I have to say about it. So I'm happy to move on and talk about Ahsoka and her performance by Rosario Dawson. Yeah, it's part of what we we really believe here at Force Center, which is to invite everyone to the table, uh, bring your perspective, your experiences, your pains, your sufferings, your doubts, and your joys, and all are welcome. And we just we we have to acknowledge all of that there. So as always, Joseph, well said, and uh, I think you've always kind of been a leader in that regard here. And so I appreciate you and appreciate all those who have uh, uh, concerns. And but this is where we are now. We'll, we'll discuss this episode from here. Yes. Excellent. All right. So uh, Ahsoka worked for both of us. Uh, why don't you start? What what We'll get into like the depth of the meaning of her character, but just like for seeing live action for Rosario Dawson per Dawson's performance. Uh, what worked for you? Why did it work? Did, did anything in particular give you nerd chills? Uh, <laughs> t- take me away to your uh, Ahsoka land, Ken. Uh, take me away, Ahsoka land. Here we go. Uh, I'll say this. I think going back to Bo-Katan showing up, which is something that, that I've wanted for a while, uh, you know, fan of Katie, uh, wanted Katie as Bo-Katan in the series. And to get it, it still looked a little weird at times, right? Even though it's, it's the actor, uh, uh, played a character that was kind of modeled after her, right? I mean, like, it's still watching Bo-Katan felt weird. I, almost cosplay. That, that that can be taken wrong or it's too much of an insult. But, you know, it, just, I, it, was, it was a weird, almost uncanny valley that <laughs> Tarkin, like you've mentioned before. So I think I'm glad that happened, not to put Bo-Katan lower on a character scale than Ahsoka, but Ahsoka's big. Ahsoka's one of my favorite characters. Uh, and, and, and I think... The starting out, it it looked a little weird at first. It just it just was weird, right? It's just like I'm seeing this. This is an actor on a set, and I <laughs> looking at um as I keep looking at Mandalorian as a, a live action comic book or a live action animated show, if you will, <laughs> kind of helps me with the look because it it doesn't look fully in place, right? Like it's 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 weird, and and, and none of this is negative, but I know uh, I I'm not alone. I'm just the first scene, it which is a great scene. Just kind of going, huh, okay, we're doing this. This is happening. It's real. But from there, Joseph, no no doubts in my mind. I just loved uh, loved so much what she did with the character. Clearly, Dave is super protective, just as the people at Titmouse Animation, super protective of Ahsoka and knew not just how to tell the story and write the Ahsoka story. He knew how to shoot it, how to frame the shots. And I think that helped Rosario Dawson. We can talk about that a little bit later in the director choices section. But you know what I mean? Like she had a hard task and he, I think, made it easier for her or helped soften the blow for us by actually shooting it like it was the Clone Wars. Uh, and, and, and even that, and I think she kind of looks similar to what she did in Rebels. So all that together and then what is Rosario found in the character in playing in, in sync and symphony with, with Ashley Eckstein's performance, I really do believe, uh, that's, that's the start of how it worked for me. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's all like really well said. I think, uh, for myself, I just really started at just being sort of thrilled at seeing those blazing white lightsabers ignited and seeing her fully in action. I thought there was a possibility that we'd see her in more of a restrained mentor role. So there was that thrill of seeing her fully in action, seeing, you know, uh, honestly, just it is Ahsoka, but it's also just the small screen lightsabers fully in action. We've seen the darksaber ignited, but this was like lightsaber action, small screen television. Mm. Uh, you know, the, it, it, the power of that journey of, you know, how long I as a human <laughs> have dreamed of that by itself. And then the length of the journey with 
uh, Ahsoka that that we've all had in uh, real life, regardless of you know how long ago we actually watched Clone Wars, but like the fact that it it does start in real life in two thousand eight, and in real life that's a long time, and in the actual life of Ahsoka Tano, there is all of this uh, change and growth, and I think that's what really really worked for me is visually. Uh, performance-wise, framing-wise, you know, Montreal (laughs) head uh, piece-wise, it all worked for me as Ahsoka, but it was also like, what worked for me is it felt like here is the character in this moment of time that we haven't seen her yet. She is moving forward. She is in a different place. So she is the Ahsoka that we have known from all of these different things. But of course, she's not the Ahsoka from the 2008, you know, Clone Wars uh, movie. She's not even the Ahsoka from, you know, the temple uh, with Vader in Rebels, because we don't know what all has happened to her since then. Um, So I felt there was this power in, yep, that's the Ahsoka we know, but she is not entirely tied to the past because she's in a different place. And uh, the place that she was in fit the themes of this particular episode, fit the themes of this uh, particular show of The Mandalorian. So all of that made her feel flowing and organic to me and not just, hey, we know that person, right? Mm, <laughs> like if yeah. this was an, it, it, let's say that this was an episode of, you know, um, uh, Cassie and Andor or some other Disney Plus show that's set in the Clone Wars era and live action Ahsoka popped up and it'd be like, yeah, it's Ahsoka. Yeah. It, that would be different for me because this was she was so in a different place and so ingrained in the ideas of this episode. So her journey was attached to Mando's journey and all that really made her pop for me. Yeah. And, and I think what she was saying, I, I, you and I haven't even discussed. I bet I bet we are gra- we, we both gravitated towards the same scene or sequence as our favorite of the show. I, I, I bet. Right. And. It's the philosophies of not just uh, the philosophies of the force, but uh, how to best Jedi. Yes. And, and that ties into so much. It ties into, to me, Last Jedi, Rise of Skywalker, Rebels, uh, uh, Her Invader, all, all those things. It, it, and she's right there in the center of it. It is the why of Ahsoka that obviously I'm going to be gravitated, uh, gravitate, gravitated, just making words up, just making <laughs> words, um, going to be pulled towards. Uh you know, because, uh, yeah, no doubt. The connections to lore only go so far with me. A name I know, a planet I know, uh, I, I'm numb to that if it, unless it's done uh, in, in a great way. I, I really do feel, and I, no doubt that Dave would, would, would do this if, if they were going to use the character. Yeah, yeah. I think for me this is what I would have um, predicted, hoped, but it was just such a great feeling to kind of just see it knocked out of the park from the surface level to the uh, like a deeper level for me. I also just thought that there was a real choice to to show her in this slightly uh, more muted place because I think that's where she is emotionally, and we'll, we'll talk about that. But then within that, we got to see all these little flashes of the Ahsoka that we know. Like there's that kind of... Uh, sense of humor of like let's not get too pompous of you know mm-hmm. right away when Mando says we need to talk uh, and she says I hope it's about him there's that flash of like just the the kind of the humor of Ahsoka uh, Ahsoka you know no matter how kind of uh, older and wiser she gets she's always going to have that I think that little bit of cockiness that attaches her mm-hmm. to Anakin and I really felt that in the moment uh, when she looks to the guard that she's disarmed, like, yeah, why don't you just run? <laughs> and yes. The guard turns around and run like that's Ahsoka cockiness. That's the exact kind of cockiness that connected her and Anakin, you know? Um, mm. 
her sneakiness to me is like, okay, you know, she she learned how to be powerful and brash and forward moving from Anakin, but I think she learned how to be a little sneaky from Obi Wan. Um, and then there's obviously just like a lot of, you know, her wrestling with what it truly means to be a Jedi and, and that wisdom. Uh, and I think all that was present. So these like, to me, essential elements of Ahsoka were really present in this episode too. Yeah. I can't wait to dive into some of that stuff and what she was doing there and why, and we get it to search for information, but I can't believe Ahsoka would just uh, get involved just for the information or did that lead to bad things that she felt she needed to stay incorrect? All those kind of wonderful questions uh, to come out of that and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So let's dive in. So we talked about the Ahsoka of it all. What was your overall reaction to the episode? Did you love it? Did you like it? Uh, Did you struggle with it at parts? Uh, no, I, I really enjoyed the ride. Uh, I, I liked the pacing, too. There's some great action sequences. I mean, I, I think some of my favorite action sequences in The Mandalorian so far, and it's, you know, I hadn't even really thought about it until you just mentioned it, Joseph. It's just the, 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 our first kind of lightsabers on TV for in live action. Like, Dark Saber, obviously notwithstanding, but yeah, that that uh, that's kind of big, and it, and it worked. And... Uh, was some of my some of my favorite action, but but what I like more was the campfire stuff, as I'd say, uh, the the samurai picture uh, homage that uh, everyone's going to mention. That was it, Yojimbo. I think everyone's. Uh, I don't know if I'm saying that correctly, but uh, uh, you know, it's all there, very clear, very um, clear, very present, and uh, yes. I, I enjoyed all that. Um, so there you go. Uh, that's my start. Um, I want my side note, uh, overall reaction, Corvus, the Corvus forest seemed like, uh, like the end of mist with Tom Jane. <laughs> Is that a baseball movie? No, the mist. <laughs> the mist. Oh, the uh, mist. Okay. The mist. Right before the, the big ending of that film where the creature walks over them. I thought, Oh, here we are. We're in the mist. Um, so yeah, there we go. Um, uh, and final thing. Yeah. Connections. Like I said, connect, no secret for me. This is different. Everyone's going to come to the star Wars buffet. We always talk about, and you're going to want a big juicy heaping of connections to lore. I, I think it's, it's not my way to best engage with the star Wars story, but I do really enjoy the connections, but what I enjoy more than just connections is new information. And I feel we, we got a, a ton of that. And that, that's what I enjoy too. Yeah, we've got a ton of information. And I think the canon thing is, in the lore stuff, is, you know, it it really matters whether or not that is a tip of the iceberg thing for us of, like, just hearing a name of a person or a planet, does that, you know, know, connect to our emotional love of those characters? Because if it's Mm -hmm. just information, like, cool, great, we'll see where that goes. But I think if you hear uh, a name of a person or a planet and you already have an emotional reaction to it, then you react, you know, with this great well of emotion because you fill in all the possibilities of what that could be. Right. right. Yeah. And that, and I think that's what makes the difference uh, between whether or not you're like, because I know there's some names I would just lose my mind for and other names like, cool, interesting. We'll see where that goes. Um, for me, my overall reaction to this episode, I think this might be uh, just one of my favorites because it is, uh, and, I, and I, there's not an episode of Mandalorian I dislike, but this one is so uh, purposeful. Uh, it is so tense and moody and emotional and all of the design and all of the framing of shots and everything really just goes towards this feeling of uh, balance, honestly. Mm-hmm. It almost feels like um, this was directed by a Jedi. And, and uh, I, I like Dave Filoni. <laughs> yeah. he, he's great. Uh, uh, but I, I just feel like it, it. I'm not necessarily like, yeah, of course it was directed by a Jedi. His name is Dave Filoni. I just mean tonally it is... It was so much about 
balance, you know, uh, there's, uh, all this action, but the action is completely always balanced by tension. It's very Jedi like it's this Mm -hmm. very slow mist is passing. Time is moving. And then we strike when we absolutely choose to. Um, and then I felt there was like such balance in the exposition. This was a classic George Lucas info dump scenes of, Oh, have you been wondering about this for years? Are there a thousand YouTube uh, videos about this? Well, bleh, here it is. Um, yeah. But none of it just felt like, let's get out the PowerPoint and tell you the facts because that exposition was balanced by the emotion behind it of, this is a simple thing to say, but it's deeply meaningful to the characters. It's not just providing information to the audience, you know? Um, mm-hmm. We'll get into, of course, the revelation of the child's name, but that's not just information for the audience it immediately has an emotional you know resonance and emotional effect on mandalorian so there's just a just this constant sense of uh balance uh and i think that uh, the aesthetic obviously of the damaged uh, corvus of uh, the mist planet <laughs> um it's so tied to the mood. It's not, like, there's lots of cool shots in Star Wars. Like, that's a cool shot. And yeah, that, that one shot really reflects the character's, uh, you know, journey. Everything in this story was just so uh, visually about the story. You know, it, outside the walls was this dark, confusing, damaged haze. And then the city was a straight road to an inner sanctum where truth lies. I mean, like, it's just... Everything that was, it's the physical space is just the answers to what the episode was about in a really powerful, we're not trying to smudge it at all, incredibly direct way. A dark, damaged haze and a road leading to truth with with, with a bunch of obstacles in the way, you know? Well, yeah. So what you're tying into is why, I, yeah, I'll say this is one of my favorite series too. But, you know, if you listen to the Manda Report, I think you and I are generally in the same circle of uh, we love chapter two, we love chapter 10. We love, we, we keep joking about our use of that phrase tome home. But what we're basically saying is we really love taking the time to dig into what this all means to Mando, his growth and uh, the big themes around that. And th- this, this, even with the action sequences, it just, it took its time. Uh, uh, you know, Mando facing off with Johnny Ringo took its time. And, yep allowed us to ask big questions uh, and, 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 and have some philosophical discussions around a duel uh, while another duel was going on. Uh, so that's, yeah, to, to uh, you know, uh, pigeon, uh, uh, you know, pin the tail on the donkey. I'm just making now new tail, pin the tail uh, <laughs> things to uh, pin the tail on the donkey on your point, Joseph. Um, yeah. It, it, that's what I, that's why it's going to be one of my favorites uh, wrapped in all this wonderful action and revelations is that, uh, the, the the thoughtful, introspective spirit that I've loved about the show. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's just great to contrast the action and the violence in this episode to like the episode before where, you know, we got these great characters of Grief Karga and Cara Dune. Cara Dune's been set up as somebody who kind of enjoys violence and needs action and a thrill. But yeah. they're like zipping around, blowing stuff up, shouting, good job. Ha, ha. And, and this is quiet, <laughs> precise choices of action and violence and, and it, the, the, the title, the Jedi will talk about, but it just, it, this felt like watching this episode felt like you're doing a deep breath with Qui-Gon and getting in rhythm with <laughs> the idea of being a Jedi. 
totally. And one of the most uh, insightful things you've said, and you say a ton of them, sir, is uh, Carl Weathers directed uh, Chapter 12 like an 80s action comedy. Uh, not that that's the only thing he can do, but he found that, and that's why you and I love that, uh, uh, that episode. But yeah, this one, uh, exactly uh, what you described, just a, a different approach to violence and, and, and the bigger questions. Yeah, yeah. And I said taking a deep breath with Qui-Gon because he's a, he's a Jedi a lot of people like. But you know what? Ahsoka. I'll say Ahsoka because this really is about her Jedi path. Uh, mm-hmm. And we're going to get into that. Let's talk about the big ideas, the big themes. What for you was at stake in this episode, Ken? Stake. Ooh, uh, choice. Uh, connection and trust. The value of relationships. First, great line about first and what it means to find new trails, blaze new trailer trail trails, and go forward. I need a second cup of coffee today. <laughs> um, and and uh, the big one, uh, or not the big one, but one of them, as I just mentioned, uh, Johnny Rigo. I keep saying uh, uh, Michael Bean's character, willing to lay Lang, down. I believe. Uh, yes, Lang, uh, willing to lay our lives down for the right cause, which this is not. Whoa, let's talk about that in a bit too. But I think choice is the one that jumped out what well, connection but i loved the choice stuff uh with ahsoka ahsoka and uh the child um big statement on on that and the jedi and the way forward and different ways all those kind of things yeah yeah so the moment of choice that you gravitated toward was it the one at the end where you <laughs> put yeah. the baby on the thing and he will choose the um the great video game rpg assignment that also had incredible emotional weight of he he will you can go here in, to the top of this mountain and put him on the scene stone, and then he will choose basically whether he wants to call out for another daddy <laughs> or whether he wants to keep you. Yeah, I, it, it spoke to me and just you, you could speak to you in real life, of course, as well. But in terms of the Star Wars story and where we at, where we are at with the timeline, Ahsoka's journey, even what Luke is experiencing out there somewhere. Uh, you know, uh, which who knows if that'll factor in or not. One of the big questions. But I was really moved by this idea of her saying, of all the things I've been through, including being plucked from my family by Plo Koon and and put into that system, which this child was, um, that uh, maybe that's not the best way forward. And 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 there's clearly a sadness in Ahsoka's words about there's not a lot of Jedi left. And then also with attachment and all those kind of things we'll discuss here in a bit. So I like that. It just this, if, if you're looking at a new way forward or looking at where the Jedi are now, this idea of uh, respecting the power of choice for the individual and not just, it's not a task. It's not just destiny. It's not just like, Oh, you got this skill. You've got to do this. Like, uh, the individual, uh, respecting uh, the individual and their choices. I, I just, it worked for me. Yeah, no, I think it, it had some rhythm to me with the uh, end of the Jedi Fallen Order game, uh, spoilers for anybody listening, of uh, this, who hasn't played that video game, of this path that uh, Jedi can go on. We, we've seen lots of Jedi uh, who have, you know, fear about training the next generation. We've seen that from Kanan. We've seen that from Yoda. We've seen that from Luke. Um, yeah. and, and you can have that discussion of, is it rational good concern or is it fear of like what if I lose them what if I'm responsible for that uh in in Jedi Fallen Order you know that story is all about we've got to restart the Jedi we have these holocrons but do we have any right to take their choice away from them you know to go and grab them and say you're your children but you're going to be a Jedi because we need you now like isn't is it better to leave that choice to them somehow because their powers will emerge and and they will have to choose how to how to use them was a kind of emotional cliffhanger i would say of jedi fallen order and i thought that was interesting that she kind of came to that same place of 
I don't feel it's right for me to train him, but he can still choose where he wants to be. If he wants to let his powers diminish and fade and keep them locked up, or if he wants to reach out for some larger connection, he can choose that. Yeah, especially in, in, in light of just that word attachment and those words fear and anger that, you know, we love in our Star Wars conversations and they popped up here. And I think that kind of flows into that. She's seen that. She very clearly states she's seen that go wrong, which doesn't necessarily mean she's also 100% right. It goes to the Luke in Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker stuff with me, or particularly Last Jedi. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. Throwing this out there. You know, what if what if, uh, what if if uh, Ben was allowed to choose his bed? Do you want to be a, a spaceship racer or do you want to be the Jedi that saves it all? Which one do you want to do? I don't know. You know, I, I don't know. that. That's a different conversation. But I, th- I, I think it ties to that stuff. It ties to what Luke was trying to maybe ex- explain through pain, suffering, failure, and grumpiness. Yeah, I mean, it ties to what the poor Jedi wrestle with constantly is power will be expressed. And, uh, you know, how do you how do you do that? Because it's going to happen. And do you, is it the more honorable thing to take responsibility for it and say, yes, I will try to train this uh, child? Or is it uh, better to let the child come to their own choice about how to use that power? You know, which, which is which is a bigger risk to the safety of the galaxy because, you know, yeah. Jedi have power or force users rather have power and it will probably be used eventually. And is it better for the Jedi to act or is it the better for the Jedi to step aside and let choice, let fate lead these people to choice is, you know, fascinating how much that, that comes in again and again, everything from uh, Jedi's choice in individual battles to getting involved in wars at all to uh, raising young Padawans. Yes, uh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Um, yeah, you know what? Uh, I want to talk about a theme that that really was powerful for me, and then I'd love to dive into attachment because that is so central. Um, right. But for me, I think what I really felt uh, in my heart, like when I just finished watching the episode, like uh, I actually, <laughs> this is really melodramatic, but I just, I actually, actually said it out loud because it's just like, what, what am I feeling? Like trauma. <laughs> I'm feeling trauma. <laughs> like I'm sensing. Um, I just felt like this episode was so much about being in the midst of trauma and recovering from it or starting to just take the first steps towards recovering from trauma. Um, Mm. Almost everything in this episode from every character to all the visuals is about something that is wounded with a spark of life. Like, uh, you know, the planet itself, Corvus, we learned has been devastated, uh, but we just feel that because we see these constant slow haunting shots of those devastated trees with the uh, mist blowing through them. But then, you know, in that little training session, we do get to see a little grassier, mossier area. You know, there's a little bit of uh, hope, you know. Um, The people in the city are in pain and frightened and they are restored at at the end. Uh, The character Wing gets his magistrate cape back, you know, so there's a little bit of recovering from trauma. But we're really seeing that trauma. We're seeing prisoners shocked to the point where we see their skeletons, you know. even the villain, the little bit of information that we get to know about her, uh, Morgan Elsbeth, I just wrote down exactly what Ahsoka says. Uh, During the Clone Wars, her people were massacred. She survived and let her anger fuel an industry which helped build the Imperial Starfleet. This is great information. It sets up, uh, you know, our character. But it also goes to this idea of, hey, uh, this is how Ahsoka describes this person as she went through trauma and instead of finding a good way out, she let her anger fuel 
more trauma by building the the warships of the empire. So like that's on Ahsoka's mind to perceive this person that way of someone who kind of failed to recover from trauma without continuing the cycle of violence and escalating it. Um, and then, I mean, the big one for me, I, I think, you know, I was saying at the top that Ahsoka is very much the Ahsoka we know, but it seems like she's in a different place. This seemed to me like an Ahsoka in mourning. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, there's practical reasons that she's hiding out in the uh, devastated <laughs> misty forest. Uh, but she does, visually, she's in a devastated misty forest alone. Uh, we get those very, very sad lines about Anakin. And I just sense that it was active, that she was in mourning still for Anakin, uh, in mourning possibly for the Jedi Order itself. Uh, we'll talk about timeline. We don't know exactly if this is uh, post-search for Ezra, pre-search for Ezra. She could be in mourning for Ezra or Sabine or some mm-hmm. other relationship that we haven't actually seen yet. But I just got that sense of like the trauma is weighing down on her. Uh, but in, in in line with that sort of uh, idea of recovering from it, her white lightsabers are literally sparking in the darkness, right? She is not in the greatest place, but she's still trying to be a Jedi, trying to move forward. Um, and then all this great information we learn about uh, the child, baby Yoda, Grogu, <laughs> we learn, I had yep. to say it. I was waiting for what one of us was going to just finally say. We are switching to using that name. Yes. Oh, you had, <laughs> I had to rip the, uh, the Grogu Band-Aid off and say it. Uh, I love <laughs> it. Uh, but yeah, we learned that Grogu is, is recovering from trauma. He is repressing his force powers. Uh, and they come alive uh, for his connection to his dad, which is a, a literal silver ball, which is another image of sort of like a little bit of light within this darkness. Maybe. Um, and I think all this stuff is, is all about this episode. It is all about, um, where we're finding Ahsoka, but it so ties to the larger themes of the show of, we were introduced to the Mandalorian as, you know, gritty bounty hunter who can take you in warm or take you in cold and just really cares about the next job so he can help, you know, support the Mandalorians hiding particularly the, uh, the foundlings, uh, and he's repressing his feelings and his humanity behind a mask. And Grogu wakes up some of that humanity, starts to help him maybe recover from from his trauma uh, that he experienced as a child. So I just I think that's the main reason. I, I apologize for going on so long about this theme, but it really resonated with me. It was the emotional thing that I felt of the why of this episode of, you know, the next time I'm in a dark place, I might sit down and watch this episode for the catharsis of feeling like that feeling of living in trauma and, and trying to move forward. Yeah. You, for, first of all, you and I have become an old star Wars podcast, married couple. Uh, <laughs> we know our, our, our likes or dislikes and we're often in sync. I wrote down the importance, uh, the value of relationships is the importance of, of uh, this, that those relationships when coming out of trauma and I was moved, and 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 I, look, we have trauma in in the real world, in your own lives. It, there's no easy way to get past it, to grow. Nothing. There's no no part of this podcast that's going to tell you all you got to do to uh, get out of trauma is X, Y, and Z. That's <laughs> not what it's about. Uh, but I was I was moved by this idea of the, the value of relationships in someone moving uh, or trying to move out of trauma, and blown away by the information that uh, Grogu and I do love that name, mm-hmm. and I think. Too, 
uh, we're pro Grogu. Um, <laughs> I, I was blown away. I will say that it wasn't just that he was in the temple. It wasn't just that he was uh, there doing probably order 66 and maybe uh, spirited away by a yet to be named Jedi or maybe never to be named Jedi or someone. Uh, it was that he has been, like you said, hiding his powers for survival and more, even though it's a baby, it's a baby Yoda, it's a child and it coos and it eats eggs when it's not supposed to and all those things. It's 50 and it's been here <laughs> for a bit and it understands the fact that we've seen it more and more understand, even with the wires last uh, episode, uh, it, it get this, this episode, getting you, getting your chair. It's it, it. Grogu understands. It just can't communicate completely with Mando. Um, I, I was blown away to, to learn that there was some real damage going on there. And I thought a powerful just statement on uh, how a relationship connection and trust can help heal possibly where on the other side, you so, you know, uh, just so right to bring up uh, Morgan Elspeth, not a small, that's not a small bit of inf information. And by the way, I think that could tie into one of the name that's, I mean, yes, it does, but I mean, into possible more story with the name. Mm -hmm. later. But yeah, the, it, it was, I took I took it. I don't know what you took it as. As she was, maybe her people were maybe destroyed by the separatists, and decided to join up with the oh the the new empire kind of came on in. I'm going to join up with them. And um, what a choice! <laughs> Talk about the power of choice. That's certainly one. Yeah, uh, I took that. I I thought that too. Of like, okay, well, if her people were massacred in the Clone Wars, it was probably one side or the other. And yeah, the Separatists made sense of like, what? No, the Republic became the Empire, and it, uh, we have to crush all of the others. And the others were the Separatists. Now they're this. Now they're that. Now they're you know the Rebellion. You know. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that was really powerful, and I think it's powerful that you know uh, Ahsoka has a relationship to those words that she's saying. She has, mm -hmm. I'm sure, some feelings and opinions about the Clone Wars, which she, you know, really yep. eagerly fought in when she was young. And now all these years later is still dealing with the trauma from. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So when all you said on that, uh, just a big well said, but yeah, blown away by the, just that kind of information. you And just, it's just kind of acknowledging trauma and the, on the hard road to recover from that or to move through it or work through it or accept it in your life. That's, that's a pretty powerful Star Wars theme. Yeah, yeah. And I so agree with you uh, about what it says about Grogu. I feel like the advanced amount of uh, uh, cooing and uh, babbling and grunting, as per uh, the captions <laughs> describe them, uh, that he is really coming into his own as a character. Like he, he was he was a character absolutely in the in the first season, but he did feel a little bit more like a blank slate. And it's so great now to be able to go rewatch uh, the first season and think, he absolutely did know how to use the force. He was trained and in, in disciplined uh, as, as a very young youngling. And he, how long has it been since he's done that? And is it, and he, if he made the active choice, not just to be like, I shall not use my force powers because they might discover he's right. not Kane and Jairus, right? He just, yeah. he may be like out of trauma, truly repressed that he could even do that. Like poor little Grogu might not have known. And then being taken care of, by uh, Din awakened that in this guy who was kind of taking care of him, you know, he reaches out to heal him. Uh, and then we see he makes that big, you know, move to stop the Mudhorn. And is that the first time that this is reawakening in him that he can even do this? And, and he doesn't know exactly what it is. Yeah. Cause I still view it very organically. Uh, I, I believe, you know, yes, 50 years, but I still think he's so 
young in his development that it's on a, that base level. And then when she says he hit his things, like just like you said, it, he didn't change, you know, his name isn't, uh, you know, uh, Yothan the third, and he's now going by Grogu. Like, you know, or, or, or who knows, maybe. Um, but uh, yeah, that that this it's just all organic, a total need to survive, and those dark those dark times, those dark memories, and and it emerges. It to me, it doesn't change anything in season one. The information actually adds to it, based uh, you know, kind of what you're describing here. Of just like it's very natural, very organic, and he feels it, and it's awakening him as well. So that's great stuff, and 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 um, it really just kind of electrified me when it, when it came to watching that sequence. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um... Another big theme that I wanted to uh, talk about here now with you, Ken, is, of course, attachment. You brought it up. I thought there was so many great things uh, about attachment. Any uh, particular element of the idea of attachment that you wanted to to start with? I think, uh, you know, it's very wasn't a necessary surprise uh, with the rock sequence. Right. Let's go to the rock sequence. Yeah. It was like no surprise. Like she, you could see right away. Uh, kid doesn't. Kid doesn't want it. Hey, you get over here. It's like, yep, that that's that would be the case. So connection and trust, which is powerful. But but to have Ahsoka look at that as attachment, which she's not saying. She to me, I, I'd love to hear your thoughts on. It. She's not commenting that that alone is bad because that's something she wouldn't think based on what we know from her. But that that could be, and that if you want me to take him and train him. Oh, that's potentially horrible, and I can't do it. it, it the bigger stuff we, we've touched upon a little bit, but I'll start there. It just, it just, it just, uh, it wasn't a statement that attachment bad. It was a statement that attachment is that attachment, and it has to be on your mind. Yeah, I really took it as just this great uh, restatement of a lot of the themes of the prequel trilogy. Obviously, you know, people were affected. I was affected emotionally by hearing her reference, uh, I believe, Anakin of, you know, I have seen exactly this before happen to a Jedi Knight. That was great to hear Jedi Knight because we don't actually hear Jedi Knight as often uh, anymore as as just Jedi. Um, you know, happened to the best of us. So that was, of course, just moving for Ahsoka and that long journey we've gone on with Anakin. And I think that was one of the moments where I felt that trauma. But in terms of her just like, I am a Jedi master, if not in title, certainly in life experience. And for her to recognize this uh, particular set of ingredients of, yeah, attachment isn't bad. Attachment is healthy. And then we learn how to let go of attachments. Um, But it's not just that he's attached to you. He has been through massive trauma. He is full of fear, uh, particularly fear of losing you. And it's not just that he has fear and that might lead to anger. He has anger right Mm. now. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And she senses that. And she actually says, you know, his anger. And we've seen that. We've seen him, uh, you know, force choke uh, Cara Dune, right? And I think we see not anger, but we see this great moment of it's not just about his attachment to uh, Mando that he's not willing to gently float the rock back to Ahsoka. Like he seems to even not like that. The way he drops it is like that reminds Mm -hmm. him of the past. And yes, but then it's, you know, I love the way, you know, Mando's got such a not Jedi energy. Like you want it, take it. Uh, And he sucks that ball so hard and fast. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and it is it, it's funny and it's kind of beautiful about their relationship but it is about the way he understands his power right now is to quickly powerfully take what he wants mm. if there's something that he wants to possess he'll take it and this is why you know it, things that are just like great fun 
you know, those cookies from last week, William Sonoma selling them for $50. They're great. They will sell <laughs> millions of merch. People will pay $50 for cookies because that moment was so funny. But that moment was so important, too, because, again, it wasn't just instinct. Last week, he's like, hand out. Could I have them? Kids like, no. And he's like, no, I'll take them. Uh, so I feel like she was not, you know, Ahsoka was not just uh, making a snap judgment. She was seeing and sensing something that we, the audience, have got to see build up, which is he's already, uh, he already has fear because of his trauma. He already has anger because of his trauma. And right now what he fears is losing you because you're his father and he loves you. Uh, so if I take him away from you, that is immediately setting him off on a bad course. Yeah, I love, you know, we love the whys here at Four Center. The why of the cookies, a Four Center uh, deep dive episode. <laughs> uh, yeah, and there was a, a news blip. I'll be honest, I didn't fully click on it. I think I saw the headline, which is always um, dangerous to just base any thoughts on headlines, friends. Uh, but uh, that uh, Filoni and Favre talked about uh, the intentional choice to make uh, some of the child's actions, excuse me, Grogu, a little darker, right? It's, yeah. A little dark tinge. And this is, I'm not, if you, if you had a problem with the eggs, I'm not, this is not me taking that anger away from you. But I, I think there is a, 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 a sliding scale <laughs> dipping into, uh, not that I think he's going Sith, but just the emotional um, journey that the, this uh, little Grogu is going on. It is, it is more than just uh, cookies. Yeah. I mean, he, I think he's still young enough and traumatized enough that he doesn't understand the pain that he's going to cause other people by just taking what he wants, you know? And, yeah. And I think that goes to, uh, you know, I understand there's a larger conversation to be had about how people feel about chapter 10 based on how much those, you know, taking the eggs beat, uh, were, were played for jokes versus uh, serious. Uh, but for me, for the sake of this conversation, it is more examples of him taking what he wants, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, and I think that's this great through line about attachment. He's attached to Mando and he has that sort of that desire to possess, uh, mm -hmm. which is, you know, I think hard to train out of this poor little traumatized guy. And I think there is, I think Ahsoka is right. And mm -hmm. I also think that there's this fun conversation to be had of is Ahsoka uh, reacting to her own fear of like, mm -hmm. I do not want to lose him. I've got a dangerous path uh, to go on. Um, I also got the sense that in who knows, I might be totally wrong, but for right now in my head canon, I don't think Ahsoka has had a conversation with Luke yet. I think her trauma about Anakin would be different. And I think her, mm -hmm. I think her belief that she's always had, always had in compassion and attachment, uh, that she might feel a little rosier about those. If Luke had been able to tell her your master came back he did the right thing and he did it out of love. Uh, great point. Yeah, no, I I'm, I'm with you on that. I, um, not that I expected her to say, you know, take her up, take him up to the mountain where, uh, this guy Luke will meet you. Nah, nah. Uh, it could be, but yeah, no, I, I, I get that sense. A sad, 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 the right word, somber, reflective. Uh, there's a lot, there's a lot going on with Ahsoka that Rosario Dawson wasn't just playing her quiet and muted to match some, you know, episode of Clone Wars. Like to me, like you said, there, there's something, the trauma is being carried there. Uh, the idea you want to, you, you know, talking about the cookies and the eggs and all this kind of things. Like what, what is one of the more, I think poignant and powerful moments in star Wars is Luke being, uh, standing in front of the emperor and the emperor saying, you want this, don't you? Mm -hmm. You want this. And when you give into that, 
uh, and that unfettered uh, desire for what you want that can go really wrong. And I think that ties to that. It's it's a little bit of that emotional candy. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I mean, there's that old fun uh, joke of come to the dark side, we have cookies. And I think it always should have been a come to the dark side, you can take other people's cookies. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That is the truth. Uh, the other thing that I wanted to talk about under attachment is, you know, Ahsoka expresses the uh, the fear of it. Um, but I think a lot of what was moving about this episode in terms of Mandalorian is I felt like this was the episode where maybe he accepted that, yes, right now he is Grogu's father. This whole episode, I think, you know, I'm glad it was called the Jedi, but it also could have been Mando is his father, damn it, you know? Um the way we see him telling him, like, you got to get in your seat. Hey, what did I tell you? Like, buckle up for a safe landing is, you know, those moments have been escalating. But that was it started with a real parental moment. My God, I think maybe my favorite moment from this episode is him pacing back and forth while yeah. she is meditating with Grogu. And he is just like this uh, cartoon 1950s dad on a sitcom with, you know, a, a partner in labor. Um newspaper rolled under his arm yeah he's nervous with that box of cigars to hand out like it was so nervous parent energy or like you know my kid is taking the sats over there and i can't help him and i want to uh so parental um the the way he kept going like he's stubborn like it was such it was so knowing of one another and then of course the uh the uh very um poignant you know saying goodbye Mm -hmm. uh you know, there was so much in this. And then, of course, you know, other people have said, like, he's a kid. You got to take care of him. You got to feed him. And, you know, is he taking care of you? People have danced around it. And it was Ahsoka who just said out loud, you're his father. Yeah. How did you feel about that? About Did you did you find yourself feeling like, you know, yes, this is the attachment. This is what it should be. This is this is destiny. Mando, uh, you know, I don't want the child to go to the scene stone and call out for any other Jedi. I want him to be with Mando. That's this is the way it should be. Or how did you feel? Yeah, I, I almost wanted to answer this in our we always talk about lower connections and everything. And maybe we, oh, we, yeah. But no, no, I mean, just this one particular thought I had is because is you mentioned the goodbye. Um, he, you know, he picks him up. You got to go. and But he has that moment. He's just kind of sitting down holding them. Right. It's silent. Oh, my um, gosh. And it uh, it can pull on uh, your heartstrings in a lot of different ways. But the we can talk about the Jedi of it all, but for so could be like th- th- he sees you as uh, your father and substitute parent doesn't have to be father. Right. Um, clearly, Shmi comes to mind, but you know it sees you as 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 his parent. Um, what what do we got with uh, Han and Ben and Leia and well, Luke can't save him. You know I uh, I can't. Yeah, you're his father, and those connections it it ties to that and the power. Of, and because it, it's found family, so it speaks to that, which is a big theme, particularly that comes up obviously a lot in the sequel trilogy stuff. So, yeah, it moved me in that way. And I like the proclamation because the way Ahsoka said it wasn't just like, hey, he, he loves you. You're, he's yours, dad. It's like this is more powerful than me. And it's more powerful than what I can bring to him. It's, yeah. It's what you have. And that, and, uh... yeah, he feels the weight of it. Yeah, that 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 Force Awakens connection you meant is you, you said is great of of Leia literally saying Luke's a Jedi, you're his father, and really making that. Yep, yep. The Force users definitely need training in using the Force, but that's not always the most important connection in their lives. Yeah, yeah. 
And uh, which again, in, in a story that's called the Jedi in a franchise that's based a lot around the Jedi. I, I, I love when we dive into what it really means and how it can go wrong. It, it's fascinating to me. Yeah. This, this is part of that. Yeah. Um, I had one other theme that I wanted to discuss. Anything else uh, from, from you though? Minor ones, uh, you know, they can come up elsewhere too. Just, she has a, Ahsoka has a great line of, uh, I like first good or bad. They're always memorable. And there's, it's, it's small, but I just, I just like that. That's her spirit. And that's definitely something she's probably learned. She's broken a few molds, but stayed true to herself or what she believes. And I kind of like that. There's a spirit there, like about that. Um, and I mentioned the, the, the Lang thing, um, when he says willing to lay, lay down our lives for the right cause, that's, that's a very star Wars thing. And, and he's, you know, the way he asked Amanda, so you've thrown in with the Jedi, huh? <laughs> uh, and how, from his point of view, from what he knows, what Lang knows, I mean, you're, Man- you're Mandalorian, you're sworn enemy of the Jedi, right? Mando doesn't really know that history uh, as, as he's learning about it, right? There has been. So it is, I thought that was really interesting and, and, and I'm fascinated uh, by uh, Lang, uh, Michael Bean saying, uh, which this is not. Like, interesting to me. Yeah, yeah, and how much of that was a gambit? Since he does, of course, you know, try to pull the blaster. Yep. Um, and so, did he mean any of that, or was he just manipulating uh, who Mando is, or who he knows the Mandalorians to be, or thinks the Mandalorians are? Yeah, uh, all above. Not sure, you know, because at first, the first viewing, I was like, "Is he going to lay down?" Like, I, I bought into it. I, I guess I bought into it. Like, I thought for a second, like he was going to be like, "There's my gun. I'm out." <laughs> <laughs> You know, come on. Anytime I, Tombstone's one of my favorite movies. It's, you got Johnny Ringo. You got to have a duel. Uh, so I get it. Um, yeah. But you know what I mean? Like, I think I got caught up in what that meant. Like, uh, you know, we, we willing to lay down. We're, we're the same. Willing to lay down our lives for the right cause. Uh, this ain't it for me. Like, I, I was there for it. And, and we knew we knew we knew Mando wouldn't back off on it. But it's interesting that Mando wouldn't back off on it. You know, like he's there. He's chosen long ago. It's more than a task at this point, I think. Yeah, yeah. This is so great because all of the things that you are saying are uh, I had kind of under this umbrella theme that I wanted to talk about, which is this idea of honor. Like everybody uh, is understandably recognizing this as uh, Kurosawa uh, samurai archetypes and and absolutely is in the way it's shot in the actual events. But I just feel like that it is so much about honor. And that's great because that's what connects uh, Ahsoka and Mando, that they are both from a creed a Jedi and Mandalorian that has let them down at times and they're trying to find their own version of it and be, be true to it. Right. Yeah. Um, and that just kind of plays out again and again. It starts right at the beginning with uh, Ahsoka's great, just Jedi warning of uh, I'll be back tomorrow. <laughs> she asks like, please just give me the info. I don't want to do this, but I will. If you make me, it's a total uh, Luke Skywalker, you know, uh, free us or die moment of like, I, I really don't want to do this. It, the magistrate even tries some of uh, great, you know, Darth Sidious, uh, both sides are the same where the magistrate says to her uh, now, because of you, these people will suffer and Ahsoka's not having, it. it's like, they already suffer under your rules. So like she tries to spin like that Ahsoka, if you come in here with like, you know, your lightsabers and cause violence, people will suffer. And like you're torturing them right now. Nice try magistrate. It was all just very, Ahsoka's very clear on her choice of when she uses violence, when she uses her lightsabers. Oh yeah. Very much. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and quick is when it started, um, with, which is a great action sequence. I was like, wow, she's just slicing and dicing. 
and you have that kind of like cool, but like, oh, what's gone wrong? Like, like we know she doesn't just do that. So I was, yeah, I was in sync with that. Love that. Yeah, I mean, she she was making a reasoned choice, and that is a part of a, a Jedi. You're gonna carry around uh, swords that cut through anything when you choose to use them. You choose to use them, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, it, not that there isn't plenty of morality to talk about it, but I just felt like it was really, um very much kind of the Jedi stuff we've seen before. But uh, continuing with the the honor idea, you know, uh, once again, we get the Mando being uh, offered Beskar, Beskar by someone who stole it. Um, and then to your point, I really love that there was no hesitation and we get, got to see uh, Din's growth, right? Chapter three, the sin was, I got this Beskar. I, I shouldn't break, you know, Mandalorian code. I shouldn't break... Uh, bounty hunter guild but i can't let the imperials have this child and you know the episode is about him choosing which of the sins the title of that episode to do this one there was no pause there was zero hesitation the child and what the child needs was more important to him than the best car like if he can get the best car he's going to take it right but there was no like hemming or hawing should i try to kill the jedi should i get the like there was nothing he was there for the child period yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely, and 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 felt the you know uh, kind of hey the bargain wasn't completed uh, between me and the magistrate anyway, so I don't I don't have a right to that. Uh, yeah, a lot of great stuff. Yeah, the, the the again choice power choice. He's he's making us tough choices and and strong choices. Yeah, yeah, uh, and then I think that Mando standoff with Lang is is so great. There's lots of games of honor, but I feel like for me, it is this uh, Lang. I don't I didn't read him as a person of honor. He says willing to lay our lives down for the right cause and this isn't it. So I think he's kind of and he's playing that classic, classic <laughs> bad guy line of we're not so different, you and I, Mr. Bond. I mean Mando. Um that you know, he's playing at honor, but it's not actually honor. Uh yeah. I I thought it was the way I interpreted it. Yep. No, yeah, in line with that. Um yeah, again, not to typecast, but uh, well, you know, he was Terminator is a little different, but you know, you, I don't know, you bring Michael Bean in, Bean in, I want a little streak of dishonor. Oh yeah, there there was a good a good streak of dishonor, I thought. Yeah, and then I love the as you point out too of of Mando saying I didn't technically uh, do what was asked for for the best scar, but you know, uh, thanks. <laughs> uh, and then you know, it's fascinating that Ahsoka does break her word to Mando because she said, "Hey, he, he well, he offered, I guess, if you, I'll help you if you train him." Uh, so maybe she's breaking that that word to Mando, but she is being very true to herself that she knows she can't train Grogu. Uh, yeah. And then I think it's this very, I don't know, it almost feels like this is this is great Ahsoka and Din Djarin meeting halfway. They have uh, their creed, but they also do seem to be individuals enough to uh, bend it when necessary. And for her to go, you can take him to this place so he can make his own choice. So... I am giving you some of what you came here for, which is helping him to find his Jedi path if he truly wants it. Yeah, I like that. I like that idea of of compromise. We've talked about that before here, how that can often seem like a, a loss, but really often uh, it's the best way forward when it's done right uh, and done honestly uh, and with honor. And I, th- I thought uh, both of them maybe broke uh, broke agreements with honor <laughs> <laughs> broke agreements with honor yeah yeah in a very good way and i you know it was we did that star wars ranked about what we would like to see in future episodes uh, of this season mm-hmm. uh and i wanted to see uh, mando and the child in a jedi temple and maybe i will man yeah. yep very happy to hear that um 
So uh, we always touch base on the title. Uh, this one is, yeah, Ahsoka, the Jedi. Uh, everybody refers to her as a Jedi or the Jedi. Uh, for me, I was really affected by the title, about the way that this, uh, the idea of the Jedi plays out. Everyone referring to her as the Jedi really connects her to everyone referring to him as the Mandalorian or a Mandalorian of just like, you are this representative of your entire creed. Um mm-hmm. Yeah, and they're both a part of a, you know, a damaged and scattered creed. So the Jedi really connects to the Mandalorian. But I feel like we've had this conversation in, in fandom because, of course, she does walk away from the Jedi Order. Uh, she proclaims to, to Vader that she is no Jedi in her Rebels fight. And for me, I think um, we don't know what has happened really since we last saw her, you know, uh, mm-hmm. how much she has personally re- revisited her definition of Jedi. You know, uh, she doesn't split hairs with anyone about it. Mm-hmm. And I... I don't know. I think I just kind of walked away from this episode going, I feel like, you know, this was written by Dave Filoni, uh, mm-hmm. a person with lots of opinions about what it means to be uh, a Jedi with this character that means the world to him. And it just felt to me like however Ahsoka defines it, she is OK with being called a Jedi in this moment. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. I, you know, the Jedi, the Mandalorian. That's a great way to look at it here. I, I, I thought this title was, yeah, sure. It's about Ahsoka. But it's about the Jedi's place in this new world and what she thinks about that. And, and tie, to me, that ties into all the things you're talking about there. And a lot of things, again, we know about Ahsoka, particularly uh, season five, season seven and Rebels. Uh, you know, like that, that's I kind of took uh, took it as a, I don't know, a plural version, <laughs> the Jedi, where <laughs> they are. Not a lot. And what it could mean going forward and should they go forward? How do they go forward? And Ahsoka uh, kind of represents that for a, a lot of people, for us. Right I now. think so. Yeah. I mean, I really like that direct connection between chapter seven, not chapter seven, season seven of mm-hmm. the Clone Wars, where she kind of reassesses. I think for me, being a Jedi means when you see people need help, you help them. Uh, and when uh, Mando is trying to get her to, you know, uh, uh, train Grogu or help him understand Grogu, he specifically said, says he needs your help. And like, that was great to just see a character throw that at her, what her definition of Je- Jedi is like, so Mando doesn't know that, but he basically throws her own creed at her. Yeah. And I wrote, I wrote, uh, I wrote that quote. I said, uh, well, not wrong. Ahsoka finds a true way forward. Meaning uh, she, she really has uh, thoughts or comes to some understanding again of, of how to go forward. Uh, I really want that campfire conversation with Luke at some point. Oh yeah, I do too. In in whatever form we can get, I will happily take it. Um so we talked about a lot of the big themes from this episode. I think a lot of them do reflect uh, larger Star Wars themes like, you know, attachment and fear and found yeah. family. Those things kind of come up in Star Wars. Was there anything else for you that felt like it resonated with other big Star Wars ideas that you like? I uh, I, I thought this was uh, another uh, statement on, on um, the unlimited power of oppression uh, and how it's still very present and it's always going to be present uh, because this uh, evil goes on, which to me speaks to the sequel trilogy f- saying, how do we finally stop that? Right. Uh, and here it is on a small scale, uh, on a smaller scale with this, this planet, this person, this magistrate uh, and, 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 you know, 20 villagers or whatever we see uh, in, in, in the end there. Uh, but yeah, I thought that, that uh, it's, it's solo, like it's rogue one, like it's all those things that we talk about. And it's an interesting, just if, if you're, um, you know, I don't say canon junkie or whatever, but if like, if you're just like really into 
the living history of Star Wars right now, just like here we are five years after Endor. We hear this all the time. Mandalorian is about this. It's still out here on the outer, outer rim. We saw Grief Karga last week kind of, uh, you know, talking about, uh, you know, the Empire couldn't tame us. Why, why does the New Republic think they can or why do they want to try? Um, you know, the, the, this goes on and the cycles re- repeating, repeating in smaller um, areas, which funnel into the big ones. So, I don't know. I thought that worked for me. Yeah, no, I think that's uh, in, uh, really insightful. And I think that's one of the things that I was affected by. Of, I think it's always been there in Star Wars, certainly in the prequels, the, this real criticism of uh, very large institutions, which can sort of corrode over time or be corrupted from within. And this season of Mandalorian is really presenting uh, small community healing constantly. Like Mando's just going basically from planet to planet. It's like, would your small community like to be healed in some way? <laughs> you know, defended? <laughs> Uh, certainly like the, we get to see Navarro come back to life. We, he defends, you know, the, the town in, um, on Tatooine, uh, even the, 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 uh, fishing village in, on Sorgan. Uh, and now this one, it was really powerful at the end to see that, like everybody cheering and somebody in the background shouting freedom and the magistrate getting his cape back, like everywhere Mando goes, he's like a community leader. <laughs> it is like, uh, I guess my mission is to heal your community. Yeah. Yeah, but what? Hey, one village at a time, and and uh, it's not a navy; it's people. All of that—that's that is uh, in communication with the the rest of Star Wars. Yeah, it takes a Mando to save a village. I guess is the the big theme yeah. here. Um, the other other one that I was really excited by is you know I go on about feeling like uh, one of the essential ideas of Star Wars and in the power, particularly of uh, the movie Star Wars back in 1977 was this great intersection of the new and the old, uh, just kind of cool visual stuff that you've never seen before, new ideas, but uh, married with this very uh, ancient storytelling, these sense of the the very old. And that pops up in Star Wars a lot, sometimes not as much, uh, but this episode, I really felt it. Um, it felt mythic. You know, a gated city under siege is true ancient history from many earth cultures. It's in many stories and many myths, right? Of a a gated city under siege, um, prisoners lining the road, being tortured for all to see has lots of, you know, real world, you know, uh, horror uh, attached to that. Uh, The, you know, evil person, Morgan Elsbeth, uh, uh, kind of almost feeling like she's polluting this uh, peaceful garden, and there's something, you know, lurking that she's feeding under the calm waters. There was a lot in this episode that was really go- doing that classic Star Wars thing of let's reference stories and images that you don't have to study. They're just in the osmosis of our culture, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. Which goes to that. Yeah. You said it. 77 Star Wars. But George saying like, hey, I wasn't breaking new ground. I was taking what was out there and putting it in your face you know, so you can learn from it again. Um, that's very much a paraphrase. Yeah. And I think you feel it. Right. I don't think, you know, I don't think your random 14 year old, you know, danced out of the theater in 1977, pretending to have a lightsaber and saying that was such a great take on the hero's journey. Like I'm. <laughs> I'm sure other people, you know, older people were like, yeah, of course. Yeah, got it. But there probably was one kid and he went on to be a filmmaker. (laughs) There probably were some nerds. I apologize to my fellow nerds. But you know what I mean? I think that it is one of the most powerful things in Star Wars to me of taking this storytelling that is a a part of uh, uh, certainly uh, it's it's a part of our culture enough that we can intellectualize it and we can trace it. uh, But it just feels deep and resonant. It feels old and timeless. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah there's a, uh, yeah. I don't know anything about that planet, but there's already a story there that I'd love to hear more of, you know, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Poor, poor Corvus. Uh, all right. Was there anything, Ken, that you disliked or questioned? Yeah. Where do I begin? Pulls out a long list. No, uh, <laughs> I know people want one day for us to do that. Here's 32 things I hated. No, not going to happen. Uh, look, I'll say, look, they, the show does is such a great job just moving the technical ball forward. The volume looks great. This episode looked great. Um, but, you know, there's part of me that uh, you see the larger city, you see the industry, the, the, uh, the you know, the smokestacks in the background. You see so much, eh, you know, and then you get a street, a, a very good street. And it means a lot to what you said, but then you get a street with like 20 villagers. Um, sometimes I wish we could break out. I know there's a lot of reasons why. So this isn't a, uh, this isn't a, a big anger point, but I, I, I coun't help but see it in this episode. Cause that's a great shot when he's, when, when we're first seeing that city, mm-hmm. it goes on and on and on. And then uh, it's all right here, you know? It is what it is. Uh, Navarro's a one street city. Every, you know, I, I get it. I, I understand how they're making this show. Um, but this one, I, a couple of times had it like, I, again, I don't know what I'm expecting. Did I expect 400 warriors? No, I didn't. <laughs> um, but I felt it. I felt it. It doesn't take up take me out of the episode though. I understand. I feel like I know the timeline might not work out, but I feel like for the final episode of The Mandalorian, he should go to the Festival of Ancestors, the Aki Aki <laughs> Festival. Yes. <laughs> All those Akiaki for real. <laughs> uh, the epic depth of scale there. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. that, um, um, and then um, probably a bigger conversation. How do I phrase this? I am okay with the name Thrawn being mentioned. End sentence. It's <laughs> <laughs> not my favorite uh, thing. It's not my favorite thing. So you are actively uh, concerned by it? You are concerned by the fan response? I mean, help me for me. Help me, Obi-Wan. You're my only hope. <laughs> no secret. Thrawn has become one of my least favorite characters in Star Wars. So if you're listening and you're like, well, Thrawn's one of my favorite. Uh, we are still sitting at the same dinner table enjoying the same meal. Uh, I just like the the broccoli. You like the zucchini. Fair enough. Um, but yeah, I'm, 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 I know a lot of people expressing concern about this um, Tinier, smaller, intimate show is now going to spiral out of control into some of the bigger Star Wars stories. I, I don't have a problem with that. I understand that. I trust them to do that. If Filoni's kind of, uh, you know, weaseled his, weaseled his way to the front of the line, so to speak, uh, right behind Favreau and kind of whispering in John's ear, we, we'll see on the season two of Disney Gallery. Um, I trust it because, again, what's one of my favorite things in Star Wars? It's Obi-Wan and Maul in the Desert Part 2. I never would have thought that would have come out of Rebels, and I never would have, would have wanted it to. And it shows up, and it's one of my favorites. So I, I'll say it again, and I'll keep saying it until um, until people understand it. I, I have no problem with it, but I, I, I wasn't surprised by it. I don't need to be surprised at everything. Uh, I don't know. It just was like, okay, yeah. I, I want to know what happens with Ezra and Thrawn. I really do. I want to know what happens with Sabine. And I want to talk about that with you here on this episode. But mm-hmm. I, heard, yeah. I heard the name. She says, oh, you're master. And I know the seventh fleet symbols on the droids. I didn't pick that up to the second one or, you know, until it starts going around the internet. Um, when she says it, Grand Admiral. And I went, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Of course. So that's where I'm at with it. Flash forward two years where I'm like, this is the greatest thing ever. That's always possible. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
Yeah, no, I was I was uh, pleasantly surprised by my own reaction that I was happy to hear Grand Admiral uh, Thrawn's name uh, because yeah. I just I wasn't fully expecting it. I was kind of like I, you know, was trying to pay attention to the episode without fully going into the like, you know, uh, what are my five top choices for who the master is? And I was kind of thinking like, well, maybe it is somebody that we don't know when we're being introduced to a new story or, you know, mm -hmm. maybe it's Moff Gideon and we're going to continue this path of like all of our heroes. <laughs> know that uh don't know that they're going after the same guy but we the audience do um so i was surprised um yeah and in a way it just it, i don't know i think for me the way it hit me is because i was enjoying ahsoka in the episode so much and felt like it was really working for me that it was a you know what why not you know let's let's play with all the star wars toys let's go let's do it um mm -hmm. i think that was my my knee-jerk reaction then I think, you know, maybe we could try to have a short conversation now, <laughs> maybe a longer yeah. one later. But I think that for me, there is the uh, I'll take my lesson from Star Wars and I, I'm fine being concerned, but I don't want to be uh, afraid of or upset by things that haven't happened yet and might not happen. Um, mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is, yeah, if Mando keeps receding into the background and this becomes the. Boba Fett fights Bo-Katan and Ahsoka takes down Grand Admiral Thrawn and then Ezra rescues the child while Mando's just busy going, has anybody got any work for me? I'm still a bounty hunter. I wouldn't yeah. like that. Yeah, but yeah. they haven't done that yet, right? right. Um, and for me, like, yes, absolutely. This episode, um, yeah, the Boba Fett tease was there. Um, the Bo-Katan journey was there. It felt like wow, that, that could be the Mando's journey to free Mandalore, or that could be the Bogotan spinoff setup. Uh, the, this also felt like, yeah, it could be a spinoff setup. But everything that's gone on in the uh, Cobb Vanth Boba Fett episode, in the um, Bogotan episode, and now in the Ahsoka episode, I felt they were all explicitly tied to the Mando's journey and still about the Mando. So I do have some concern that eventually that will stop and it will stop being about Mando and it will be about these other characters, but it hasn't happened yet. So I'm going to try to take a deep breath. Yeah. Look, no, I, look, let me, let me say that's a, that's, that's, that's a great point. And I don't want to give in to fear. Right. Like, and, and, and it's star Wars, what, what, any story I'm going to explore, but yeah, yeah. I want to, the, the chapter two is still my favorite and I want to know that I keep that, but it doesn't mean I'm aware that the show is going to grow and grow and grow. So I just, you, it's connection and trust. It's the theme of the episode, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then I will say for uh, concerns, it's not really about Mando. It is about this larger path of Star Wars is, for me, I would like as a fan on screen, because this has happened in books and comics, on screen for a Lucasfilm to truly deliver something that is disconnected from the main Skywalker saga, from the main Clone Wars Rebels mm -hmm. saga. Uh, because, you know, we started with, hey, we're going to get the, the the next three movies in, in the Skywalker saga. We weren't calling it then, but, you know, next three yeah. in the, the main line. And then we're going to have a standalone film. And then Rogue One comes out and it's like, oh, that's that is a, a, now a vital part of the main story of Star Wars right. um, in lots of ways. Uh, and then Solo is a standalone film, but it is about, you know, Han and Chewie and Lando and core characters and important themes and even a hint that Han helped pay for the start of the rebellion, possibly, or or, right. or this arm of the rebellion. Big, important stuff. Um, 
And then Mando starts with like, we're over in this corner playing with our action figures. Oh, our action figures met uh, all of these important players, right? Yeah. Um, And I don't have a problem with any of the things that I saw on screen. But there has been this dangling promise of something that is truly like, let's just really show the themes, the aesthetics uh, of Star Wars are powerful without connecting to previous storytelling. And I think right now the glowing hope of that is, uh, is Leslie Headland's show. Ooh, yeah, yeah. No, that's uh, that's a great way to look at it. Um, yeah, yeah. And it's weird because like I, I will get a little grumpy at, at people complaining that, oh, we're going to Tatooine again. And I'm like, go there every third episode. I don't I love it because it's Star Wars to me. And but but I want to explore what you are talking about there. Right. Like that's 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 how it works for me. But um, yeah, yeah, I, I, I think you're right. There's something not small. Because I, I don't like that term either. I don't. I'm working through it. I'm working through it, Joseph. I'm okay. I'm okay. I, I don't think you're alone. I think a lot of us are, and I think it, it'll be really, really interesting to see how this goes. You know, if at if by the time this you know small story about a bounty hunter on the edge of the galaxy, uh, you know, but if we get to the point where we're seeing Luke Skywalker and we learned where Snoke came from, it it isn't what it started as, and maybe that's okay. Maybe it isn't, and we'll find out uh, all together. Yeah, especially because it starts with this a series that, uh, remember, we were asking the questions like, wait a minute, like, Mando doesn't know who the Jedi were? And, everything, and we've gotten the answer or started to get the answer. Of, well, the And arm- it's really compelling. He was raised in a cult that lied now, to him. Yes. And so that's, 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 that's where I have to live right now in the Thrawn thing. This is a lot of th- thoughts on just a name that I, have, <laughs> you know, uh, it, Personally, again, just I can't deny I have grown to not love that character as much as I thought I did in 1991. Um, that's fine. That's fair. Um, I still think there's a lot to learn from the character. And I don't want any. And, and by the way, and I want if they're like, great, guess what? Next year we got Ahsoka fights Thrawn, uh, you know, season limited series. Of course, I'm going to be excited. I want to know that stuff. Um, it might be the only way that Mando can get his ship fixed this time <laughs> is to help Ahsoka just quick take down Thrawn. Yeah, 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 yeah. There you go. Hey. Uh, yeah, for me, uh, the only other thing that I disliked or uh, questioned, uh, it technically works for me, but still, there was some yaddle erasure, right? I mean, oh uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was so waiting after we had last week with the, you know, obviously Filoni loves the prequels. I, I love the gentle way that Ahsoka floated that stone. It was perfect, and it was also very. That's very prequel use of the force mm-hmm. um uh so in last week we had the m words like oh we're dancing we're dancing so close say it say midi chlorian um yeah. it was like how are we going to handle the like i've only known one other being like this i mean i heard a yaddle <laughs> but you know i mean it so it's technically she says i've only known one other being like this and mm-hmm. obviously she knows yoda uh, we know that Yaddle left the High Council. We don't know exactly when. It's entirely believable that yeah. Ahsoka was raised in the temple, you know, never even saw Yaddle is, and has only heard of Yaddle. Um, and obviously, yeah. it, it would have undermined the weight of the moment. It was like, sure. I've known only one other being like this, a wise Jedi Master named Yoda. There's also a, somebody named Yaddle. <laughs> well, <laughs> she she left the Jedi Order. It, it wasn't for her. Anyway, back to your deep emotions about your child. Like, obviously, it wouldn't have worked. Yeah, but yeah. I think I would there somewhere in my my yeah. love of of the weird part of the prequels. Mm-hmm. I w- I was hoping for some yaddle. Look, I I would have uh, definitely you know 
hashtag justice for Yaddle. But that would have been funny because it would have been uh, Luba Gordson so just beautifully uses the Yoda theme right right there just for a second, right? If that also some and Yaddle. <laughs> oh, I guess it was Yaddle's theme. Oh, okay. It's a little different than I thought. But yeah. 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 And and, and again, for anybody who, who's got their uh, tweeting fingers ready to fire, I do think it technically works because she says, yeah. I've only known one other being like this, that yeah. not there is only one other being like this or, you know. Yeah, that's fair. Fair. That's fair. All right. Uh, we are going to take a quick break and then we're going to be back to talk about some of those canon connections, the ones we haven't talked about as much yet, uh, favorite action moments, comedy moments, and just dive into all of the just fun stuff. We like to talk about the big themes, but... This episode was so great for just, do you want to see some laser swords? And we're going to talk about those elements as well in just a moment. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. 
Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombus. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hey, Four Center friends, make sure you're keeping up to date on all the great content from Jennifer Landa. Whether it's YouTube, Instagram, or TikTok, you whippersnappers, Four Center's own Jennifer Landa continues to bring you fun, informative, and insightful laughs and moments. Also, Jennifer brings her experience and perspective as a Star Wars-loving mother to her DIY projects, blogs, and more. So be sure to head on over to JennyLanda.com. That's J-E-N-I-L-A-N-D-A.com for articles like how to make your own Darth Maul sneakers or 10 unique Star Wars baby gift ideas. Follow Jen on Twitter and Instagram at JenniferLanda and on TikTok as JenniferLanda1138. We are back to continue our conversation about Chapter 13 of The Mandalorian, The Jedi. We got some exciting canon lore connections to talk about. Let's dive in, I think, with one of the biggest canon drops. This is a new canon, and that is Grogu. Ken, <laughs> uh, how, did you, uh, how did you feel about it all? It, 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 she, just, she just says it out loud. Just, that's his name. Bam. I, I like how yeah go ahead no, yeah. how it came out and and the name itself talk me through your feelings so I think this episode was all about just like oh cool all right I guess we're doing it uh, all the way through from the Thrawn <laughs> mention where I had that reaction of all right yep I guess we're doing it to yep yep oh yeah that's Rosario Dawson and that is Ahsoka yep there we go right from the beginning no no, she shows up for a second. Everything like she's in the center. So for what I, I think I was oddly expecting it. Like the moment she starts kind of communicating, I was like, "We're here, we go." I thought she was going to be like, "Oh, that's a that is a Yothan species." I thought this was this was where <laughs> we're going. So to have the name come out, I, I, it, it just kind of it flowed. It, I, I, I was good with it and good, good with the way there was not a lot of trumpets or fanfare. It was just like she's like, "Oh yeah, yeah, that's his name." I've been talking to him. As far as the name itself. I got to tell you, I know it sounds like some kind of healthy yogurt alternative, but I like it. I'm good with it. I'll have, I, I enjoy a cup of Grogu. Absolutely. Smash yeah. into a Grogu. Yeah, absolutely. It's like Grogurt, whatever that is. Um, yogurt. Yeah, Gogurt. Gogurt. That's what they were always advertising during uh, Rebels. Gogurt. That's a rebel connection. I didn't know we'd have in the show. <laughs> a surprising connection to rebels. I'm gonna get my uh, clickbait headline out. The connection you didn't know to the commercials that used to play during rebels. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I love the way she just said it. Matter of fact, uh, there's something very, very Lucas about that. Very Star Wars about a lot of this exposition. The way you know some you know important uh, revelations are big dramatic moments like Luke uh, you know no no I am your father not Luke I am your father no I am your father uh, but other times just bleh, here's how it works uh, people yeah. say it um, and I think it worked really well for me in that way and also the the way that she was just like really casually like yeah that's his name I understand you 
protected him and feel really close to him, but you didn't even know his name. You've been calling him kid. <laughs> you know, that I felt like that hit with Mando. So it worked really emotionally for me. Like uh, we in the audience were kind of got to be in Mando's shoes of like, what? He's got a, he's got a name and it's Grogu. And then the way he says it, Grogu, and the trick, the quick head turn up, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why haven't you been calling me that? Come on. It's my name. Uh not to say uh, the child is a dog, but it is that moment where the dog's like, yeah, that's the one. <laughs> Thank you. I've been waiting for you to say it. Uh, yeah. I don't know why you're having such a hard time pronouncing it. <laughs> it's not pronounced kid. It's Grogu. Um, yeah. And then for me, of like, this is one of those moments where like, uh, uh, you, you, in my opinion, you got to be attached to the roots of Star Wars. This whole thing, you know, one of the, the main characters are called Skywalkers. It's a fantasy. It's a space yeah. fantasy. Uh, so you're going to have space fantasy names and Grogu. I just, I heard it is Yoda saying it and I can really hear Yoda saying Grogu. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it just, it, maybe Yoda named him. I don't know. Uh, but yeah. it really, really works for me and I'm, I'm having fun saying it. No. Yeah. I, um, it changes, you know, again, once you start getting the, getting the answers, it sometimes can cause problems. I get it. Expectations are always run high, but um, this was, uh, I, I'm glad they did. They didn't play it out you know, a full season, a full second season. Like we got it. And now you can yep. move on. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about uh, Grogu's backstory then trained at the temple by many masters. Uh, he was uh, rescued, brought away by someone, probably uh, a Jedi and then ambiguous horror for many years. Uh, what did you like most about that? What did that spark for you? Well, going on to, not remixing what we talked about in the first half of the show, but because of the trauma angle, it was, and it's dark. I'm not, I'm not celebrating dark things here, but just, it just made, it made a character I'm already on board with just infinitely more interesting of uh, you were there in a, in the temple. You were part of the system. Many masters to mean, mean to me means many classes, right? <laughs> You've gone, you probably got your sorting hat and you, and you got in the right uh, team and you were getting all your classes. I love the moment when um, Ahsoka mentions Yoda and they share just kind of a quiet moment. They look at each other, right? And she gets yeah. kind of some like shared maybe admiration, uh, shared love for for that uh, that that creature uh, with all of us. We love Yoda, right? But uh, for them to have that shared connection, I love that. So yeah, it just, it made, it made it, I, I love that connection. I love that he wasn't just floating in the galaxy for a very long time. Uh, just, uh, you know, hiding out in villages or with bounty hunters and suddenly, you know, Gideon or, you know, Pershing or someone found him or the, 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 uh, the, the client. I, I like that there's a history there that comes from the Star Wars we know. I do like that lore connection. I, I, I do love lore connections. They're just not the be all end all of Star Wars for me. Uh, and it, cause again, it's what, why? And again, and now it's dark, it's darker. Not, you know, he, he, there's some real meat on that story there of what happened and who he was with and what does that lead to? Uh, yeah. No. How did Gideon know? How does that, how do they know? You know, did that person who saved them die, get captured? Was the person, tortured? Yeah. Tortured was the person that saved them on the dark side. I don't know. Like I do have all those questions. Yeah. Was he, uh, was he on a list, right. Of, uh, of Jedi assets to mm-hmm. track down someday, or was it a surprise that he was alive, you know? Um, you know, when, when did the empire know that, you know, was he ever in Imperial hands before, uh, all sorts of great stuff. I think there's a part of me that, that likes this backstory because it ties him to 
the Mandalorian even more than, you know, the Mandalorian could ever have imagined that again, you know, coming from this uh, order, this creed, uh, this group of people, the Mandalorian and the Jedi, and thinking that that was going to provide structure and safety, but b- both of those ways of life aren't really in full existence right now. You know, and we're going to get a lot more of that, I think, eventually with Mandalorian having to deal with the trauma of realizing he was raised in a cult and there's a whole different way to be a Mandalorian that he doesn't know about right. and a lot of the history of his people that other people know all about and he doesn't, even the way Elspeth is like, hey, you know, you know how they're your mortal enemy? And he's like, yeah. <laughs> just found that out <laughs> all right yeah yeah uh so it connects him it connects them in this great way too of grogu is like yeah there used to be a proper way and i was being trained in it and then and i kind of remember it but then i repressed it and it's gone mm-hmm. um yeah. so i like that i also just like that you know order 66 that there are you know a thousand tales in that one you know uh, flash of horror Right. Uh, spread out throughout the galaxy and inside the Jedi Temple, you know, and great things in Vader comics when we're, you know, learning what what Jocasta knew was doing. And uh, I can't wait to get more stories. And, and this is uh, like a great, uh, just a great picture that there are many stories to tell of how different Jedi handled it, of like it, who rescued him and why. Mm-hmm. Um, is Maybe we'll get that, maybe we won't. And also like for the the big picture thing of like, ooh, Yoda's species, we never truly define it. This also feels like it's a great way to say whatever the truth of Yoda's species is, Yoda knows it, or, you know, Yaddle knew it. (laughs) And maybe Yoda was just like one day at the Jedi Temple, like, oh, I sent something. Bye. (laughs) He goes to Yothan, where the trees uh, in flowers blossom, uh, little baby Yoda's. And he takes Grogu because that's just the way of things. Uh, this is all my weird head canon that we may never know and don't need to because now we do kind of just have that. Yeah. Wherever Yoda's species is from, you can just head canon it. Yoda brought Grogu to the temple because that's where this species goes. Yeah. Yoda go back for a family family reunion. I don't know. That seems to be some <laughs> sort of attachment and he picked up him. I don't know. Yeah, they, they, he went back to uh, to live in the old ways, uh, swallowing frogs whole for a little while <laughs> on his planet, which he can clearly do. It's still one of my favorite parts to just imagine Yoda on Dagobah looking around going, I could eat any of you. I could swallow any of you whole. That lizard that's uh, making the noise at Luke, dinner. I could swallow you whole. Wouldn't yeah. bother me at all. Yeah. Uh, so I, yeah, I really love it. The, the ambiguous horror is of course horrible, but that's one of the things, uh, uh, that gives it power. So I'm really excited about that. Um, Soka mentions that oh, there are only a few Jedi left who might answer that call. How are you feeling about that cannon drop? Who do you feel like might be out there? Who do you want to be out there? Yeah, this is definitely Cal Kestis, right? Um, no, um, this is the fun part. This is fun. And, and, and I have some Fun questions asked about the throne thing, too, despite me being not as excited as others about it. This is the fun of it, of just engaging with these stories. I I, I think, I, to me, I don't know, man. I, I, I think it's Ezra. I, if I was to make a prediction. Um, she, she I, I agree with your statement that she has not talked with Luke yet. I, can't, I just, I, I've, I just feel that. But Yeah, I could be wrong, but that's, that's well, like, yeah, I, but that's the way I feel. I think she'd feel better about Anakin's fall. Yeah, it would be, it would be, unless they explain it some way, it'd be, it'd be maybe an oversight, but again, they haven't done like, so we're too, we're far from that. Um, yeah. 
but yeah, I, I, you know, my initial, you know, the tingle comes up and you're like, Ooh, Luke, maybe Luke. I, timeline wise, if, if you're following strictly to the timeline, um, as Canon junkies want you to, Luke's out and about, man. He hasn't started no school. He's, he's still figuring stuff out. He's with Lor Santeca or he's chasing Sith hunters or what, you know, I don't see him taking a year off to be on one water planet and learn (laughs) about the mist. Right. Right. Yes, exactly. So I don't see it as him. I, I, it could be very much, but I, I could, I could see it being Ezra. Um, but I'm also with you. I, I sense sadness in, in, uh, in Ahsoka. So to me, that could mean that as Ezra's gone, but it also could mean that Sabine's gone or just something else. Or maybe she's sad about the Jedi order. Never being what it once was or, or the way forward. But anyways, I, I, I go Ezra. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, I get excited about the, the Luke possibilities. And I know there's all the kind of real world stuff of like, are we, are we de-aging Mark Hamill? Are we just going to get the voice or is it going to be another, like all you can get real excited and go to those real, like, you know, practical real world questions real mm-hmm. quick. Uh, but I am really intrigued by, you know, Luke is out there. Luke is looking for connections for, to learn more about the, the past i do think somewhere in star wars at some point we will get the campfire scene between luke and ahsoka where they trade you know here's who your father was and you know here's who your master ended up being you know where they truly give each other these vital sides of uh of anakin's story that they both really need emotionally i think we're going to get that eventually um i'm in so intrigued by ezra in the timeline and his possibility I also just, I'm really affected by that, not, uh, I was going to say leak. It's not a leak. Uh, the interview with Lucas mm-hmm. from the Tashin prequels book where he, at some point, had a version of the sequels where Jedi survived the Clone Wars until, uh, and, and didn't, you know, partake, apparently, in uh, the Galactic Civil War in a big way uh, until it survived Order 66 and Luke reconnected with them afterwards. Ha- hearing Lucas say that and knowing that's an idea that floated around makes me feel like, we absolutely could get some, you know, older jaded Jedi that we never met. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my my one that I think is is starting to turn into a secret hope is Quinlan Voss. Um, Quinlan's a great Jedi, an intriguing Jedi. Uh, that Dark Disciple novel, uh, he really goes through a lot. So I could see a him taking a similar path to Yoda and Obi Wan and just saying, "I don't know how to fight this fight, so I'm gonna I'm gonna sit it out." Um, mm-hmm. But now maybe not. Uh, and, and Quinlan Voss is a character that, you know, obviously I know his origins are, you know, a background extra in Phantom Menace and it all grows from there. Um, but I would great be amazing to see him properly in live action. Um, yeah, so I got, I got a strange, uh, Quinlan Voss tingle. <laughs> uh, yeah. A tingle for Voss. Um, yeah. And, and this planet Tython, uh, we know, yeah, appeared in the Africa comic, but it is, uh, definitely, uh, steeped in legends and EU stuff and it's deep core, which is, one of the, that interests me too. It, it it's a hop, skip, and a jump from Corson, and uh, I know oh, that that's intriguing to me too. To to know that Mando to complete this mission will have to go right to where you know Member Grief Cargo. What do you where you go? You gonna go to the center of the galaxy? File a report. What are you gonna do? Yeah, yeah. I, I, that's that's intriguing to me too. Yeah, I don't think it was random that what the droid was teaching in the school was about how the galaxy is constructed and where the seats of power are, you know? Yes, correct. Yeah, I think that is going to continue to be of importance. Um, yeah, let's talk about, uh, should we get excited about who are the Jedi left? Or, you know, who who might we see? But I want to dig into the actual uh, next mission, really, that Ahsoka 
gives him. Uh, Tython, as yeah. you said, ancient Jedi planet. Uh, some people believed it to be the origin uh, place of the Jedi, uh, but uh, obviously we know in canon that Luke believes it to be Octo, uh, that it was created in Legends for the Darth Bane uh, novels, and then recently it's been featured in modern canon in an uh, Afra and Vader storyline. Uh, but here, I just I wrote it down, Ken. Here's exactly what Ahsoka says. There you will find the ancient ruins of a temple that has a strong connection to the Force. Place Grogu on the seen stone at the top of the mountain. Then Grogu may choose his path. If he reaches out through the Force, there's a chance a Jedi may sense his presence and come searching for him. So, two things. The sentence, place Grogu on the scene stone at the top of the mountain, is absolutely from an RPG, from a video game, that <laughs> continues to be an aesthetic of this show, and I love it. Yeah. Uh, and then on the uh, the deeper end, I think, you know, we can get really excited about, ooh, what Jedi are out there? Who might show up? But I think, as you indicated earlier, the key sentence in all of this is, then Grogu may choose his path yeah. if he reaches out through the Force. So, I mean, that's really, I think that moment was really about her giving Mando a, a path to choose, too, of like, look, I know you think he needs to be trained. And you want to take him to a Jedi because that's what you perceive your mission to be. That's what you perceive him to need. And that's what you can give him. So, all right, I will give you that. But also, I will give you the truth that it's going to be Grogu's choice. And he might not call out. We might not need to, as fans, do the who's going to answer the call. Because there's every possibility Grogu doesn't choose to make the call. Mm. I'm intrigued by that. I don't necessarily think that'd be the case, but I don't know. Yeah, I don't know because the connection's so strong. It'd be an interesting, even to get it, not to get him off the the the, the playing field for future storytelling. You know, uh, right? Like, where's Grogu and Rise of Skywalker? I don't need those think pieces. I really don't. Um, but you know, so to help, so maybe he's like, Nah, I'm good. <laughs> Just give me some cookies. I'll be good. Yeah. Or yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I was going to say as well, I, I love how much Mando wants Grogu to be trained. I think that's another great connection between them because he's not like uh, just like, hey, can you take him? You're a Jedi. Take him. Um, yeah. He is connected to him, but he it, I don't know. It just connects them more. Obviously, he's always connected to uh, Grogu as a foundling reaching up for help just like he did. And then it's almost like he's trying to give Grogu what he got of like and then my people took me in and they trained me so I could protect myself. And it's almost like that's what he wants for him mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. he's not, he's not about like take him. He's like train him. Right. Uh, and I feel like that's gotta be a connection to Mando's youth himself of he was trained. Trained. Yeah. Trained, trained in the ways. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. Uh, he, he, you know, he, uh, he's not going to give him up easily, even though he does leave him back on the ship. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, his his uh, options are limited, right? I mean, you know, as someone who carried a chihuahua in a sack, a uh, little uh, duffel sack or whatever you want, to, you know, all all Thanksgiving, <laughs> I can tell you, he can go, he can go into that fight with a with a, with a <laughs> the hip and that little sack. Um, okay, yeah, he needs to get some Beskar on that satchel to protect yeah. Grogu. Is what he needs. <laughs> flap of Beskar over it. Uh, yeah, no. So uh, yeah, he's not going to give him up easily. It's um, and it's interesting because this was something the armor armorer put before him, but it seems to have evolved into something more. Like you said, uh, uh, some almost like a parent wanting uh, something grand for his uh, his offspring here. Yeah, yeah, to really give him what he needs to do well in life. In Mando's opinion, 
Yeah. Uh, so we talked about this a little bit. Where in Ahsoka's timeline do you think this is? Because this is a big uh, picture question right now. We don't know if she has already searched for Ezra with Sabine or if she is yet to do that. Yeah, I just, yeah, I mean, and, 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 and there's there's math to be had. We're not asking that question here. We're not discussing the uh, yeah, five years after blah, 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 Rebels ends here, just that. We, yeah, and, we're, and, we're aware of that. Yeah. Yeah. And I should say, like, I, I think the spirit of Re- the Rebels ending the last time I saw it, it felt like, you know, we're giving the wrap up to where everybody ended up at the end of the war. So it, it did to me when I watched the end of Rebels feel like, hey, you know, the Death Star 2 fell and now Ahsoka's coming to Sabine. But, yeah. you know, I think there's plenty of room to shift because that's not yeah. concrete, I don't think. Yeah. No. I, and, and, and uh, yeah, trying to uh, acknowledge that. I, I, so I, all that to say, all, let me just get to the point. I think the, the search has already happened. I, I feel as though it's happened uh, and that something, the search for Thrawn is either he got away, something else happened, a new development from that. Uh, and I just, I think Ezra, I think she's, it's already happened. That was really the feeling that I have. I think it's partially because I have this Rebels feeling from the end of, of Rebels, a Rebels feeling from the end of Rebels that that was pretty quick after the end of the Galactic Civil War. Yeah. Um but I also just felt like, yeah, she was still processing the the sadness of not having a Jedi Order, even though she had problems with it. Absolutely. Uh, still feeling the, the sadness of, you know, the best of us, the Jedi Knight, Anakin Skywalker, fell to this. But it felt like recent trauma. And honestly, you know, she was coming there for information. She did save those people. She recognized that they were in trouble. Uh, but she wasn't just like, I'm hopping through the galaxy and I'm going to save this town. She's going there for that information and she's got a saber to a throat saying, where's your master? Mm. There's every possibility to me that something, uh, something traumatic happened in the search and she is going after Thrawn, you know, and writing that Jedi line of, yeah, he's a threat. Uh, he needs to be stopped. It's my responsibility. But is there also anything where Ahsoka is, is, is dancing with the constant, a threat to to Jedi to give in to am I doing this to protect others or am I doing this out of vengeance? Yeah, I look, um I want to hear what you think. I, I'm like, I don't think she chops off uh Morgan Elsbeth's head, <laughs> but she walks away, you know? Yeah. Well, I don't know. I think she gives her every choice, and yeah. I think there's the possibility that Elsbeth takes away the choice. Yeah. Yeah, I had that feeling coming out of it. It's, it's not exactly Anakin and Dooku, but and, and and Ahsoka's got a good handle on things, you know. I don't know if she'd lose control, but but yeah, it, it just even 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 when she asks it, if you really want to just kind of break it down beat by beat, even when she asks, uh, "Where's your master?" There's there's some uh, there's some oomph behind it. There's a little anger. There's intensity, right? Yeah, that's a, that's the word. Intensity. Yeah, yeah. There's a passion. Yeah, yeah. And I yeah, I don't want anybody to think that I think this episode is about Ahsoka went to the dark side because I really yeah. like. Those blazing sabers that make for super cool action scenes, the way they go in and out. But it's really like I turn them on when I choose to. And if somebody gives me the opportunity to not cut them down, you know, I offer it to him, even to that guy. Like, you want to run now? Because I don't want to cut you down. Um, I think she's really being a Jedi of like the you have information that I absolutely need. I'm not going to give you the choice to not give it to me, but I'm going to give you the choice to live Mm -hmm. uh, while I'm getting that information because I truly need it. And, you know, I'm saying I'd rather not, you know, attack this town. So I'll give you a day to think about it. She's being very Jedi, but I just think that there was a real, there's an intensity to this. Like, I don't know, there's this, you know, they talk about for uh, 
Force Awakens of planning it of like, this is in a real world analogy, you know, the Nazis flee Germany and hide out, you know, in other little pockets. And this one feels like Ahsoka, lonely Nazi hunter. Like she's driven yeah. to be like, I'm finding these bastards and they're going to stop and I'm going to stop them. Yeah, man. It's, I mean, almost uh, what you're describing is like, are you Stark in a list? You know, <laughs> a list of things. <laughs> Um, yeah, and, are, and is that list purely because they are horrible people causing real pain to innocent people, or is it, uh, I can't go to sleep without listing their names because yeah. I want them to die for what they did to me. Yeah, yeah, and I always trust Ahsoka to choose what is right, but that doesn't mean there's a not a complicated path towards that. I, it was really, it was, it was intriguing. I, the stuff with um, the backstory of uh, Elspeth is... Uh, you mentioned up top, but it just, it does, it, it was, it's great for the theme of trauma, but just in terms of information and how that ties to Thrawn, I, I am intrigued with that and have questions, maybe even some concerns about what that would mean for Thrawn if it's tied into that, but I like it. And all kind of flowed into one nice uh, cannon river. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's, uh, let's follow that, uh, that tributary into that river of Elsbeth. Um, uh, I didn't recognize the tattoo. Maybe, you know, uh, uh, internet sleuths have, uh, tracked it down. It's a little Crimson Dawny, but it's not directly Crimson Dawn, I didn't think. Um, so there's that little hint of, you know, who she is. We know that she is uh, an Imperial uh, uh, war machine maker who's yeah. good at stripping planets and is clearly actively doing it because she is doing that to Corvus uh, right now. Um, so there's a picture of who she is and then tied to if, if we assume that uh, Soka and Ezra went and searched uh, the unknown regions, Purgletown, Purgletory, wherever they ended up with the space whales, with the Purgles, had some interaction with Thrawn, and now he's back in the kind of the galaxy that we know it. How, how does all that tie together for you? Does that make you worried about it? Are you excited about all those possibilities? Where are you at with the, the thrawn Elsbeth connection? some fun questions about it. Like I said, slight concern based off concern in the sense of some of the, and, and full disclosure, I was talking with uh, Alex Damon offline about this. It's just, uh, you know, Hey, we, we have been presented with a new Canon version of Thrawn, which is he, you know, joins the empire to kind of learn about it. Um, has an allegiance to it, but also has the protection and safety of his people, the Chiss, Chiss ascendancy in his brain. And we're getting a lot more of those stories and all those kind of things. Um, so is does this counteract that? No, not necessarily. We we don't know. But I mean, the reason I say it might or or needs to be answered is 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 she? We see that city that I'm talking about. She she's to me and and, and Mando says she looks like she's still in business. Who she's building those ships for? If it's not Gideon, and it's not Sith Eternal, <laughs> you know, <laughs> is, is she shipping out uh, destroyers to Exegol? Um, and, and it's tied to Thrawn. What's Thrawn doing? Is he building something? Does he have some intentions? Is this about revenge? Is this is about, oh, there's an open galaxy with needing control. I, you know, is he upset against the new Republic? All those kind of questions. And I say concerns. It's a fun concern. It's like, all right, how, much like, wait a minute. The armor just told Mando about the Jedi. I thought they all knew that. Like we, ha we all had that question out of season one. I kind of have the same with the use of Thrawn tied to her and her industry. Yeah, I think I had those same questions. I think the fact that he was name-checked makes me feel like uh, Filoni had some answers and that the general, you know, story group, I know that's not exactly, they're not literally coming up with a story, but, you know, they, they're keepers of canon. Um, 
that it feels to me like just mentioning him means that they know how all these chess pieces fit together, right? right? Yeah. That um, because because there is this intersection. If Ezra uh, and Thrawn at the end of Rebels went to the unknown regions, went uh, you know towards where the Chiss ascendancy is, and you know the there's storytelling to be had of what's going on there during the Galactic Civil War. But then there's if the First Order is there. You know, how do they interact with the uh, Chiss Ascendancy? And did something happen there? Is that, you know, the great fear that the Chiss Ascendancy had is the is the Empire ever going to be a threat? Maybe the answer is at the end of, you know, uh, the Battle of Jakku, when the first, what will become the First Order goes there, maybe the answer is yes. Uh, and that maybe that's a part of this story of, uh, of what he's doing. But all, all these threads kind of connect together so it feels like they must... Uh, have a, a design yeah. behind the scenes right now. Yeah, yeah, and 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 uh, I love trust in that process, trust in those answers. Uh, and 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 that, that again, that was, yeah, like I said, very intentional. Uh, but it was is is intriguing to me. Like, where where can they go with that? Who are you building these ships for? You're still in business. Let's figure out why. And I love that. Yeah, yeah, all great stuff. Do you, if if Thrawn appears either in the Mandalorian or this is set up for you know an Ahsoka spinoff where she uh, faces Thrawn down. Do you have uh, casting ideas for Thrawn? Yeah, no. I mean, um, Lars, what, what, Lars Mickelson voices yeah. him? Um, yeah. He looks pretty yeah. good. He, yeah, yeah, he looks he looks good and, and is, uh, is an actor. Um, yeah, I'm looking at him. I'm, I'm literally doing, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that could work. There, there you go. <laughs> and somewhere Ashley Eckstein's going, hey. Um yeah, no, I think uh, Lars Mikkelsen is great. We did it, Ken. We cast Thrawn. We did it. Or we can go, like I said before, my dream back in 1991, Jack Nicholson. I mean, he's he, perfect, <laughs> perfect for it. <laughs> uh, something we can disagree on. <laughs> I, am, I am not for that casting choice. Uh, I think I've seen people want to like fan cast Pierce Brosnan, which th- that would be very, very intriguing. Well, yeah, it was that, that, uh, that art piece at Celebration, right? That was just like, huh? <laughs> Somebody Bond. blew James Bond. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. There you go. That'd be great. Uh, okay. So we talked about some of the real big picture, uh, new canon information. We always like to just track some of the little fun, like, oh, that's from Star Wars. We've seen that before. Uh, there's the uh, that fun shot of those scout guards uh, with these uh, ship tracking a handheld device tracking yeah. the Razor Crest. That's fun. I really liked how that uh, decorative arch over the gate to the city was very similar to the decorative arch uh, of Nima Outpost. Yeah. It was just cool to see a uh, similar architecture in the galaxy. I always like to see uh, 8D, 8D smelter droids, uh, particularly when they're all broken down like that one <laughs> walking through town. of like, uh, it's not just the humans having a hard time. This droid is like, oh, jeez. It's like me at the end of every day. Yeah, his hip servos were clicking and clacking there. I thought that was great. Um, I'm sure there are a million think pieces about this, but I'm pretty sure I saw an owl-like creature, probably a convor, in the trees uh, when Mando is going to the coordinates. And it's right after Mando says to uh, Grogu, we must be close. And then there's a shot and there's an owl creature in the trees there. Yeah, well, we got Moray, Moray, is that how you say it? Moray? Yeah, Moray. Moray, Convor, Lothcats. It must be a Dave Filoni episode. Yeah, there's a nice, there was a Tuka cat in the streets. In yeah. the streets, that was great. Uh, stone lifting. I mean, honestly, that was like one of those, we kind of will break down like, oh, it's that blaster, it's that species. But honestly, 
just the continuity of this is an organic thing and it it's a part of Luke's training. It is a part of Ray's training and journey. So it was fun to see it uh, here again with uh, the stone being the thing that is the organic object being floated by the force. Yeah, no, I like that a lot. Uh, seeing skeletons from shocks uh, was like, yeah, hey, we've seen that. That happened to poor Vader. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, uh, so we, we know exactly how bad those electric shocks are. Uh, you almost look like a Lego Star Wars game, which isn't a bad thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, true, true. And then the final thing, I like that it has kind of become canon that people who are aware of Jedi but don't necessarily know the right terminology always call lightsabers laser swords. Yes. And I want all the YouTube videos about how this destroyed Star Wars to be. You better put those out there if you're going to be fair compared to what we uh, dealt in 20. That was in 2017. I love it. Yeah. Laser swords, man. Come on. Little Annie. Yeah. It, it, it's a tradition. Yeah. I love I, it. All tracks for me now. I mean, I kind of think uh, that Lucas was maybe trying to make laser swords happen and, and the whole world was like, no, uh, but like Anakin calling him like, yeah, it makes sense. He's kind of aware of the Jedi, but he doesn't know the proper term. And then, yeah, I think I, Luke says it because it's the way that people from the outside who don't understand the truth of what being a Jedi is. He says it in a dismissive way on purpose. And I love that Mandalorian is like, uh, nice laser sword. <laughs> is that a laser sword? Yeah. Even with your laser swords, it's too much firepower. Uh, let's move on to some favorite action moments. Uh, did you have some favorite action moments? There's a ton of great action. Yeah, look, I it, great opening. Just great opening sequence. Uh, that was the like, oh, here we go. We're doing this. We're doing this. Uh, from the ringing of that uh, warning gong, if you will, and, and the yep. uh, troops who were great. Uh, just a great design on those troops. Very, very Star Warsy. Um but looking out and seeing the, the the red laser blasts and then the sabers, like ah, I was like, hey, here, this is great. Uh, I thought it was a great sequence. And my favorite like little moment in that was Ahsoka chopping a tree, sending the middle of that tree, flying at a bad guy, and then the tree lands on itself before slowly falling. I thought that was a good sequence. Uh, so that was uh, that one. Um, uh, I liked her uh, deflecting the blasters on the roof in the final fight. Just good kind of live action animated sequence. And I mentioned before, mm -hmm. I do love the, I, I, I'm a big fan of, like I said before, of Tombstone. I really am. Um, and I love seeing Johnny Ringo in another duel. So that big, that standoff. Yeah. 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 I, you know, I really like that he had, we, we've heard, you know, uh, blasters described as like kind of sawed off shotguns. His really felt like an actual sawed off shotgun with that like big wide blaster bolt. Yeah, no, I loved I loved that weapon. I want that on uh, Battlefront uh, Nine. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it's great. I, yeah, I, I, Michael Bead's great, and he's he's got a whole side career going. Of he and his wife produce B movies like ten a year for ten thousand dollars. I mean, he's he's just he's just doing his thing, and I love it. I, I wanted him to say, uh, you know, a lunger uh, to, as if he was talking to Doc Holliday. Uh, <laughs> I was all in on that. Nice, nice. Uh, yeah, no, I, th this action was so great because, again, I felt like it was so well-directed. The, the action was really punctuated by the silence in between, and it just felt like Ahsoka did not make a single move that she did not choose. And even though the Mando didn't get a lot of action, his action was also, like, really precise, so really cool. I love, uh, I think there was an effort of, like, we know that this is going to be Ahsoka on screen. We know this is some... Uh, you know, live action television lightsabers. Let's let's uh, do some traditional stuff and let's find some kind of uh, fun in different moments. So that that opening of her turning them on and off and kind of uh, a Jedi as a horror show, like a Jedi as a monster, 
which even gets accentuated in that opening scene by that uh, perspective shot of Ahsoka racing up to that scout guard in the forest and you, you feel their terror, you know? Yeah. No, that worked. Absolutely great. And then I think my probably my favorite uh, action moment was uh, the bell scene when Ahsoka is decided like, no, I'm, I'm I know I got Mando's back. I know our plan. I'm going into the town mm-hmm. uh, when she jumps up and there's just some great moments. I love it when she uh, grabs a blaster from one person and hits the other guy in the head with it. Yep. That's great. Uh, I love her. Uh, as I've said three times now, that look of like, you don't have a blaster. You can just run. Good choice. Uh, <laughs> and he does. Uh, but then the the hacking that warning bell uh, into is just a great, you know, action mm-hmm. shot. Mm-hmm. But then it falling and ringing and that being the like uh, the bell, your warning gong sliced into by a Jedi blade is like really announcing your presence to town of like, I know this bell is meant to, you know, warn you that I'm coming, but I'm now using it to warn you that I am coming. Yeah. No. And I love, it's almost this kind of freedom to the villagers too, of like this thing that they, uh, you know, were trying to use to keep me away from you. Gone, done yep. in here. Gone, gone. Yeah. And, and, and when she does, she walks down the street, she's just like, just give me the information again. I don't want to do this. Yeah. Uh, then a couple of just uh, quick things for me. There's that mom- one moment where she uh, to take one of those uh, assassin droids out. She leaps off the wall. And I just felt like there was some good Ahsoka flipping. And, and I felt like a-, a-, a leap off the wall was necessary because that's such an Ahsoka move. Oh, yeah. They, 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 the Ahsoka-ness was uh, all through her actions. Really good. And I wouldn't expect it any other way. Yeah. 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 Uh, great rope in a Jedi. We got to have a Mandalorian rope in a Jedi. Come on. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. And that final headshot uh, from Mando to the droid uh, when the, the magistrate, uh, the once and future magistrate wing, uh, warns him. He's got that just quick, absolute cool Western guy headshot. It's awesome. Yeah. Uh, and I think I definitely think we want to talk about the uh, we should mention the the final uh, duel between her and, and Morgan uh, and give credit to uh, Diana Lee Inosanto who is uh, yeah. a well-known uh, stunt woman, martial artist, goddaughter of Bruce Lee. Uh, you know, wasn't super, super, super aware, but I'm uh, aware of uh, her parents, uh, part of the, the martial uh, martial art industry as well. Um, uh, great stuff. I think just loved uh, loved that final fight, loved the, how it was shot and, and uh, what it invoked. Great stuff. Yeah, I, I was uh, successfully made nervous for Ahsoka. I, I think the way it was set up and, you know, the weight that the show has put behind Beskar, mm-hmm. you know, and it's really establishing, you know, visually in, in this show of uh, Beskar stopping Blades when she's hacking at Mando when they first meet, uh, that I, I, I felt like that tension was there of like Ahsoka being like, this woman does know exactly what she's doing and she has a formidable weapon and I do have to be really on my toes you know there, yeah there uh, there it's interesting you, you you said that there was a split second i thought did they bring ahsoka back to kill her there's no logic to that you know there's no part of my brain that uh, is any you know it's been in this pundit game for a while that really would believe that but i did for a second i really did so yeah i think uh i think you're right there that fight oh and i, and I did look up uh caitlin deschel and lauren kim uh are the um stunt performers during that fight as well uh, Lauren Kim did Ahsoka in the Clone Wars, and uh, uh, Caitlin Deschel is the is Daisy Ridley's uh, one that that went viral with that uh, video a while ago. So they were that. Oh doing wow! Cool. Yeah, that was yeah that that was great. And I think again that this this episode just being so married every little uh, bit uh, to the big themes. I loved uh, laying uh, assessing how the fight was going based on the sounds of the weapons. Right, and that was. 
a Jedi, and she's not a Mandalorian, but the sound of that the that specific sound of Beskar was established. Yep. So that was just so great to be like, we are watching this fight uh, only with our ears. It was mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah, I love that moment here in the clank. Well, yeah, I guess you won. Yep, great stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so this one, uh, compared to other episodes of Mandalorian, was not as, uh, as packed with whimsy and comedy, uh, but I did have some favorite moments. Did you? I, yeah, no, you're right. Uh, I, I think for me the biggest one was, um, speaking of Jack Nicholson, it was it was Din trying to do the Jack Nicholson from As Good As It Gets when he's trying to get the dog to go to Greg Kinnear, and he's doing, like, Ed Bob. Hey, 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 throw the rock back. Hey, hey, uh, do it, do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, for me, the Grogu, uh, it's great, again, for us to be in Mandalorian's shoes. Of like, he has a name, and that's it. And then that immediate look up and coup is just, oh, it's gold. It's gold. Um, I, I love in the in the beginning him him telling the child to climb back into his seat, and it's just uh, absolutely adorable when he does. Mm-hmm. And like, hey, what did I tell you? All great dad things. Uh, I I did want some like real kind of like eighties tough guy charm uh, from Lang, uh, and I I really like that brief exchange of what is that thing? Yeah, I keep it around for luck. You're gonna need it where you're going, which that was great. <laughs> that yeah. was some grizzled weirdo moments. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and the last one for me is it's serious and character building, but it just really entertained me and cracked me up um, when uh, Ahsoka is trying to teach uh, Grogu and she's doing the very gentle, you know, force uh, movement with the rock. And then she's like, no, you, you go and you try to connect with him. And that just uh, Mando's tone. He's like, all right, kid, lift the stone. Yeah, <laughs> it is so so deeply not Jedi and it just it cracked me up uh it, and it's one of the great things this episode is like to see Ahsoka like meditate with uh Grogu and know his thoughts and know his pain and it 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 put their um their kind of uh Mando in, in Grogu's relationship in perspective of like the uh yeah no I'm I know I know you're think I'm his dad but I'm like his uncle who doesn't know how to change diapers and everything's kind of gruff and a mess, you know? Yeah, he was very much a Little League dad that moment. Come on, hit the ball, hit the ball, coach. I got this, okay? Sit down, yeah. I know you, I know you do your calm Jedi thing, but this is how we do things in our household. <laughs> Take what you want and do it quick. Come on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think we have both talked around this, but any directorial moment that jumped out at you? I, uh, first of all, the, the cinematography, just the way the show looked and was shot and, and, and the fact that, you know, again, they do this on the volume, uh, beautiful, uh, what's his name? Uh, Baz, uh, I is the one who did this. Uh, yeah. So good stuff. But in terms of, uh, director stuff, um, Dave, uh, Dave has, uh, I don't want to say improved leaps and bounds. I just think he's, it, it, I mean, he's improved, but I, from episode five, chapter five last year, to this one i just like you gave a lot of um, great uh, points on, on why this worked and and everything being in tone and you hear you hear me sometimes it's on the four center bingo card of sometimes some of the acting takes me out of it you know there's a, and a lot of that's because uh, i think the actors sometimes the tone tones are a little off for, for me uh this is not the case here all the way through just just knew what he wanted to do like you said and just again to go specifically to it because some of the shots and how he framed it how he shot it and how he he probably he and Rosario Dawson built this character on screen in live action. It it was so you know it just so had the feeling and the look and the vibe of so many great Ahsoka moments in the Clone Wars. 
Mm-hmm. That, that it just it gave t- for me. I know it's not for everyone right now. Um, it gave Rosario Dawson a little bit leg up, uh, a leg up to get this uh, get this role right, and it and it did work for me. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I I think uh, it it felt like a live action episode of Clone Wars in a really good way. I think it helped uh, to kind of tonally, stylistically have a little connection to the Clone Wars to to bring. Uh, obviously, I know she's in Rebels as well, but to really bring her. Uh, into live action in a way that that felt like right for Ahsoka. There were so many shots that I think are Clone Wars kind of shots of like, let's really establish the mood by taking the time with watching a ship land, with seeing the environment and how does the environment affect you uh, emotionally. Uh, you know, stuff that Lucas is always really interested in and you, you see that in, in Clone Wars. And a lot of these just straight on shots or very flat uh, two warriors facing each other shots they're yeah. all stuff that is absolutely yeah clone wars did not invent those those come from kurosawa yeah. and samurai and all, all sorts of other uh you know sources but clone wars did those a lot and clone wars played those moments of i thought there were so many moments in this episode where like that's a poster that's mm-hmm. a splash page from a comic book that's a frozen a little painting um and i feel like lucas's instruction to Filoni to say the Clone Wars is an animated show but we you know shoot it and storyboard it in a very cinematic way Mm -hmm. and all of those connections just really felt present in this episode in the way it was uh shot um and then I just thought just directorially yeah I think Gunslinger I have problems with because of the some of the tonal uh things I like I've said recently I don't like that moment where uh, Pelly's being really funny and the music's like, hey, it's funny time. Um, that Because it, it makes it a little harder than to gel with the rest of the episode. And this was so in sync, including, I think, the actor's energy. Yeah, yeah. Their pacing, I think, you know, both Ahsoka and uh, Din felt like they were, they were these wells of violence that all of this could pop out of them at any moment. But they were so measured. They were so facing their emotions. They were so waiting to make the choice to act, to make the choice to speak. And the actor's energy and like the the tone of the camera, the framing of the shots that emphasize stillness. So if somebody moved just a little bit, it felt super dynamic. All added up to, to giving this this episode its emotional weight to me. Yeah. Yeah. That's, and that's, uh, you mentioned like a Pelly thing. It's not, when I, when I say the acting takes him out, these, these are Amy Sedaris is a genius level sketch comic. Like there's, there's no doubt that she knows what to do, but it's like sometimes, yeah, just the little bumps. It's the energy. It's the spikes of energy that don't always match and not, and you're going to have different kind of scenes, but to me, it's just got to, it's got to flow. And this, uh, even with the comedy, it, it not, didn't just come from the character. It just fit. Everything fit. This is, this is, this is one of, to me, one, one, one of the better episodes of the Mandalorian. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, we're beginning to wrap up here with uh, some some fun questions. Are, is there any moment that you felt uh, inspired by action figures? We always talk about that because this is a show, I think, ultimately inspired by action figures. Well, yeah, the the, the magistrates, uh, little warriors there. I mentioned the great design. I, I think they're just in, they're inspired by action figures. <laughs> You know, like the design. Right. I can't wait to see a little bit more from that. Maybe there's an Art of Season 2 book or whatever we get in the galaxy. Uh, they do almost feel like action figures that were like custom action figures that were kit bashed, you know? Yeah, because yeah, there's a little bit like there's like almost like an imperial design to them, but they're not. But it's also 
uh, very bizarre uh, in that wonderful Star Wars, you know, out of rim kind of way. Uh, you know, I think of Dryden Voss, uh, any of his men, or uh, even uh, Balatik and and uh, the Guavian Death Gang. Just all the, just weird, crazy designs. I loved it. Loved the sound of them. Uh, I thought. I thought uh, so. Even the all of their action, just because they just seem to be walking, talking action figures. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think the thing that jumped out to me was, uh, especially because I like that scene so much, but like the Ahsoka at the gates playset where you could get like two of those yeah. scout guards and you've got a bell that's whole, but then you can split it in the middle for when Ahsoka slices it, you know? Yes. Oh gosh, we need that set. Yeah, that or the uh, the cinema scene of uh, Ahsoka and Grugo meditating while Mando has like pacing action. You can make him pace under the set. <laughs> Is there anything that we haven't touched on that you wanted to? No, man, we, 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 we did it, man. Even, um, any little doubts or questions, it's all in the spirit of just enjoying this, this episode. I, I think sometimes, uh, the discourse out there can get exhausting or troubling or just confrontational, but I, I never want that to take away just how much I not only enjoyed this episode, I'm enjoying this season, enjoying this show. And this was, uh, watching this one at the end of a, you know, a, 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 a good, quiet, uh, Thanksgiving with a great meal, weighing me down. I uh, <laughs> stayed up and watched this and, and just uh, really enjoyed it and smiled all the way through. And one of those uh, love being a Star Wars fan type of episodes. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm right there with you. Um, I think the only thing that we haven't touched on, we always do a passing. Yeah, the music was good. I, I thought the music was kind of next level uh, on this one. You know, I loved uh, that, you know, when the Mandalorian, you know, title card came up, yeah. there was a little bit of a remix where it had a little bit of a darker, somber melody underneath. And, you know, the victory, there was a, those festive party flutes that blended into Mando saying uh, goodbye. I love just that one sting of like the Mando themes maybe going to start when he's having the standoff with Lang. That mm -hmm. was great. You know, a lot of really great music moments. Yeah. Look, without a doubt, this is a this is a genius working behind uh, the, the music here. And uh, season one is great. I think he's exceeded. Uh, what he accomplished in, in season one. And a lot of it's because different themes, styles, energies, the Yoda, the bringing in of the Yoda thing. That's uh, not, that's not, uh, it's not easy to do even for John Williams. You know, he did it well in last Jedi, but like he even, he had to bring in his own theme to a new set of music. Uh, but Ludwig is, is, um, is bringing a different style and to connect it to something familiar, even for a little beat, it really worked. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I totally, totally agree. Do you have any predictions or hopes for next week? Man, here's the thing. Here's where I love, uh, we got this one out of the way. I say that dismissively, but you know, like, all right, cool. We got Ahsoka. Like that happened. Um, I don't know, man. Because we yeah. know he's, he's not just going to fly to Tython land and put him on the sea and stone next week. You know, I don't know. I don't know. Or maybe we always say, or maybe, cause we just don't know. <laughs> and there's still, you know, we got some confrontations coming with Gideon, some, reveals coming there like uh you know i don't know man i don't know and and, and we're past trailer footage at this point there's nothing i can mm -hmm. remember uh that's uh we got to get to so i don't know what happens to you know just this next week he's flying to tython and then all of a sudden boba fett comes out of the sky <laughs> get a slave one versus razor crest episode uh yeah no i think uh i think that's uh possibility i think uh, i don't think the ship's going to get damaged because i think we've done that uh, a couple times now right. but i think there could be you know is he having a hard time finding tython or does he land on tython but he can't find the temple and he has an adventure on the way there kind of thing uh, i think that's a possibility uh, i i had some tension in this episode because i thought it might end with uh, gideon 
uh, or his minions uh, striking because they've got that um, tracker on his ship. Yeah. Uh, so I think there is a possibility that next week he is either trying to get to Tython or gets to Tython and it is the strike of uh, Moff Gideon. Maybe the Dark Troopers, but I think they're probably more for a finale right, right. of season two. Um, yeah, it, I, I'm very, very intrigued if it happens this episode, next episode, if uh, you know, uh, going to the Jedi Temple is a goal for down the line or if in these next couple episodes we'll get this really dangerous combination of Mando goes into a Jedi temple. Maybe it even affects him. Um, and, and the child's got this big choice in front of him, Grogu, uh, but it all gets disrupted because uh, Moff Gideon arrives at the temple, which is a very dangerous place for Moff Gideon to be, you know? Yeah. There's some, there's some fun uh, ideas that I have, uh, you know, that you do what you say, like, is it come now? Does, does the temple come after some big fight? And that's literally the last beat of uh of the season is there a cliffhanger on, on either which way he goes or he does decide to uh become a jedi or whatever and a jedi shows up when he and we don't we don't get the reveal i don't know there's yeah, a lot of, yeah there's a lot of, but I, yeah I, I could definitely see moff gideon yeah moff, a big final fight at an ancient jedi temple that's uh that's not a bad idea I, i'd be okay with that uh yeah the only other speculations i have are based on a thing that Giancarlo Esposito said, which I don't want to say in case people uh, in case people missed it. Uh, I said I want to go into spoiler town. The uh, last kind of hope for me in these next couple episodes is uh, I, I would love to see Mando be forced to kind of reckon a little bit more with his uh, revelation that he was raised by a cult. That would be great if that was forced into his face in some way. Yep. Um, I'd also be really interested to see uh, how, how does Mando act differently now that he knows Grogu can probably understand him a little bit better and Right. Is able to use his powers if he tries or, you know, is he going to like try to get him to use his powers? Is he going to get him to try to listen better of like, I know you understand me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You can't fool me now. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, in the, in the last thing I should say, cause I, I see people talking about it is um, a lot of excitement about Mando having that uh, best car staff uh, possibly to be able to fight Moff Gideon with the dark. Oh, yeah. yeah. That'll, that'll, that'll be good. I guess yep. pulse rifle will live to not be used another day. <laughs> It looked cool in this episode on his back for a little while. It did. It, it did. Must be just really expensive to disintegrate people. <laughs> he, yeah, maybe he just doesn't have enough of those slugs, or maybe he just he, he maybe he's this is an attachment issue. He just he loves that pulse rifle and he can't risk it too much. Yeah, but I mean that's that's a question I, I think we should ask Hal Hickel online. How much does it cost to render a disintegration? <laughs> hey, you got It's only Jawas. It's cheap, but for everybody else, for some reason, <laughs> way too expensive. Yeah. Uh, we always like to wrap up with a weird, fun question. So, Ken, would you rather get parenting advice from Din Jaren or Ahsoka Tano? I think it's going to be easier for me to follow the ways of Din. Um, so maybe that means I need to stretch myself and have uh, someone like Ahsoka teach me. Yeah, I think uh, as much as I would love some advice from uh, Din Djarin, I would probably uh, ask him to, you know, to maybe give me uh, some advice about uh, being very terse uh, in speaking in very short sentences. I think I could learn that from Din Djarin. Uh, but man, yeah, uh, Ahsoka, even though I think in this episode she does seem to be in trauma and I think that there's the possibility that uh, that she is going to face down the road a little bit of challenge to her Jedi centeredness. I thought her wisdom was so clear, her well-earned wisdom uh, through experience that, that she really was a Jedi 
uh, the Jedi in this episode. And man, would I like some parenting advice uh, from Ahsoka Tano. Love it. Yeah. And excellent. I, and so and you mentioned, I don't want to spread another 20 minute conversation, but <laughs> I really do. I'm looking for, I, I would, if you got more storytelling coming with Ahsoka, you better believe I want her challenged. I, the stuff we're talking about of, do I really think she cut off the, uh, you know, uh, Morgan's head? No, but I did. You know, but I, I want her to be challenged. Uh, that's interesting to me. Yeah, no, I think that's a really good point. If this storyline is going to continue either in Mandalorian or this is absolutely is set up for Ahsoka's Disney Plus series and Thrawn is the big bad, she's got to be challenged. And I think, it, you know, it, we, this always happens with legacy characters that we're really happy to see of they got to have a challenger. It's not an interesting story. And I love what we're seeing in this episode that to me, she is being a, a really good Jedi. She is following her path, her way, uh, but... That's that's got to be challenged in order for the storytelling to be really engaging in the future. Yeah, totally. Yeah. All right. Do you uh, do you want to tell people where they can find us? I'd love to. You are listening to the Force Center Podcast. And you can find us on Twitter at Force Center Pod. We are on Facebook at Force Center Podcast. Like us on Instagram or follow us there, and uh, uh, subscribe and follow over on YouTube as well. You can get merchandise at tpublic.com slash user slash Force Center. You can support the show by going to audibletrial.com slash Force Center, getting a free audio book on us. Get a book and support us in the process, or you can support more directly at patreon.com slash Force Center. You can follow me at Cadnapsock or go to cadnapsock.com for all the things I do. Some announcements on some uh, cool projects coming out in 2021. We're almost there, so stay tuned for that. And for uh, Joseph, they can follow you on your website. That is right. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Joseph Scrimshaw, and you can check out all my comedy adventures on my website, josephscrimshaw.com. I've got my other podcast, Obsessed. I've got some comedy albums in particular. I always forget to plug it. I have a fun holiday comedy album called uh, A Very Holiday Thing, and it has a picture of me with an axe. It's very fun. Uh, So if you're interested in that, go check that out on my website, josephscrimshot.com. But for now, for myself, for Ken, for Ahsoka Tano, and uh, Ahsoka Tano, and for, uh, I was combining the two names, for Ahsoka Tano, and most importantly, for Grogu, this has been The Mandalorian Report. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi mm. hello fresh stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. 
Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.